Do you hear me? Of course, I don't have my underwear. What? I'm definitely not wearing my underwear. What are you talking about? I gave you a fresh pair of mine this morning. No, not my underwear. Where? I told you to go in the bathroom and put them on. Where are they? Of course, they're in the pocket of my jacket. Where? Here. These are, these, these are too tight. I don't want them back, right? These are not boxer shorts. Mine are boxer shorts. Well, what's the difference? These are Hanes underwear 32. Underwear, these are Hanes 32. My boxer shorts have my name, and it says Rain. Well, all, right, all right, all right. When we pass the store, we'll pick you up a pair of boxer shorts. I get my boxer shorts at Kmart in Cincinnati. We're not going back to Cincinnati. We just don't even start with that. 400 Oak Street. We're not going back to Cincinnati. You don't have to go to Cincinnati to pick up boxer shorts. That's Oak and Burnett, Cincinnati. What did I say, Ray? It's Kmart. What I, you hear me. I know you hear me. In my boxer shorts. You don't fool my... me with this shit for a second. Yours are too tight. Ray, did you fucking hear what I said? Shut up! Yeah. Cincinnati's a long way off. When you're getting further away from Kmart. You don't have to go to Cincinnati to get a pair of underwear at Kmart. You have to go to Kmart, 400 Oak Street. What I tell you, Ray, we are not going to Cincinnati, and that's fine. Get my boxer shorts at Kmart. Raymond, that is final. Did you hear me? I'm going to be short. Find a box of shorts. We have to make a little stop. Find a psychiatrist. Yeah, you are driving me crazy. Open Burnett. Shorts. You are driving me crazy. We have to buy them at Kmart. Open Burnett. We have to buy them back. Uh oh. Put your put your shorts on the highway. Happy New Year and welcome to the final Film Effect Podcast of 2021. I'm Ed, with me is my partner in crime, Sean. Good morning, Film Effect. And if you like movies and enjoy listening to film podcasts, then you're at the right spot. Each week we do deep dives and touch lives, focusing on a single film per episode in an effort to give it that full Film Effect treatment. But before we break this one down, I definitely, definitely want to let you guys know that our ever-growing collection of previous episodes can be found on our website at podpage.com slash the-film-effect-podcast, as well as all major platforms, direct link in the episode notes. Alright, Sean, can you let the people know where they can find us on Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah, the Film Effect Podcast, yeah. <laughs> if you're more of a Twitter person who has no shame in their game, where can they find us on there? Uh, at, at, at Film Effect Pod, yeah, at Film Effect Pod for Ed and Sean at the Film Effect, at Film Effect All right, Pod. and if you're more of a TikTok person, then where can you find us on that platform? Uh, Film Effect Podcast. And if you ever need to reach out to us and you're more of an old-fashioned type, where can they send us that electronic email to? Yeah, filmeffectpodcastgmail.com, gmail.com, filmeffectpodcastgmail.com. All right. 
All right, man. You have any uh, New Year's resolutions? Um, I, <laughs> outs, outside of world domination, become a fucking supervillain? No, I never do that kind of shit. Nah, I, I always bullshit myself this time every year, but then like, I, mean, I don't know, week two Year's comes around, I'm it, like, why's it got to be New Year? I don't know. Yeah, everybody that's, swears that's, to that's it in mid February to just give up on it and don't even stick. I, I don't even wait I've, that long. I've never, I've never been one to to do that. Man. Although just the other day, as the moon was rising, I was talking to myself, <laughs> thinking maybe I should start paying more attention to my body and my health and focus on that. But yeah, I, I'll give myself two weeks and I'll probably give up on that one too. So yeah, probably gang, no resolutions for me. Unfortunately, and if you want to follow yours, and you know all the more, all the respect in the world, I guess to you, all more more power to you. All that noise. It's, yeah, I mean, let's face it. Look at the, look, look at what happened between 2019, 2020, 2020, 2021. Nobody expected these years to be what the fuck they were. Yeah. So how the hell can you plan ahead? You just can't. Not not in this current climate. There's no fucking way to do it. So. Nah. Until we go back to normal, which may never happen, or if it ever does, we're a long right. time away from that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. God knows what the hell 22 will bring. Jesus. So, jumping out of that topic and into a new one, we are almost approaching, well, we are approaching 5,000 downloads total. And that's crazy well, to think, for such a uh, novice show, a podcast that started just this past February, first year in. And we're almost at 5,000 plays. There's no doubt in my mind we'll hit 5,000 by February 1st, which is the actual one-year anniversary. Because we're at 4,900 right now. We're just... Any, any, it could be any day now, because we've been actually doing pretty good the last uh, handful of days. So, uh, yeah. Here's to 5,000. Probably by next episode, right I'll be ranting and raving about it. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, of course, that goes without saying, thanks to everyone who's contributed to that. Uh, definitely means the world to us, and thank you to the, thank you for that. So, yeah, for I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know as much about these things as you do, but I would assume like in under a year or exactly at a year, that's a pretty, it's a pretty decent number. Yeah, it's I, it's I, definitely I would, I would humbling. Imagine. So, for just a right. couple of schleps with nothing, with nothing else in her name but a big ass movie collection. Yeah, I know, right? So I wanted to take this time to kind of. Look back on the year, do a little year in review, so to speak. Another surprise for you. Yeah. Uh, um. So, any any favorite episodes of the show that stand out to you that we've done this year? I mean, uh, year, me? year in review for like the podcast, not like the world and shit like that. You know, just um, you and me, the show. You know. I just <sighs> we we have fun with all. Of them. You know, obviously some are going to be better than others. To paint a picture, um, to put a number on your head, this is this is um funny enough. Episode sixty nine. So we've done sixty nine of these <laughs> things. Well, you've done about sixty three, technically, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, more than sixty overall. Yeah, I know. I, I knew. I knew you and I have done it's it. Been a lot. More than fifty at this point. Um, look, I'm gonna say it like this, man. It's it's always a good time when me, you, and Justin get together and record live. I mean, those are those are like neat little like. 
four or five hour three man parties. I will just... back that statement up, all with the exception of Suspiria. <laughs> just, yeah, well, that was the birthday episode for me. We got gifted on air. That was that cool. was a long so like was... we did two episodes too. That was that, that was, that was a, a long I, and I I think that's part of it. Number one, that was a long you're... episode. That was a long day in general that just got derailed overall. And unfortunately, I, Suspiria suffered from it because I was the latter, the later of the two recordings, and that was a long one. And yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and that was—I mean—that was my birthday pick, and obviously, I wanted Justin on board for that. And he and I did kind of, you know, spearhead the show. It pretty much took it over for that Shocker. episode, but you know, and I, I you know, and and I appreciate you giving that to me because I know you're not a you're not a big fan of that movie, nowhere near as big as I am. Um, but I, I will say, just anytime the three of us, I mean, we've done a couple of them over Zoom, but anytime the three of us just sit here in the living room right. for four or five hours and just, you know, cut loose on these movies, I'm sure it comes through, you know, on the air with the listeners, like, how much we're enjoying each other's company and, and bouncing these thoughts and ideas off of one another. Because we always pick up something new from each other. We yeah. don't think there's ever been a show where we haven't. I go back and think about Heat. That was a lot of fun, our first one together. Yeah, um, definitely. Heat was definitely fun. I had a lot of fun doing The Gentleman. I remember that one a lot. Um, yeah. I also remember uh, Cabin in the Woods being a fun one. Um, it, we, we did a lot of fun ones, for, for real. And for me personally, I also want to give myself credit because this was before you came on. I did an episode for uh, That Thing You Do, and I'm still to this day really proud of that episode, and hopefully, that was probably like the fourth episode I did, fourth or fifth, uh, it was really mm-hmm. early on, right before you came mm-hmm. on, and uh, yeah. love that movie, and I love that episode and the work I put into it, so, but yeah, I did a lot of good episodes. Um, any favorite moments outside of Justin spewing out beer live on the air? Um... That I was gonna say that that telling that 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 story you talking about that story of me scoring weed at eight yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yes, that is that is one of the highlights of the show. I mean, they like all they both I, for me they both involved you and Justin because it's def, it's it's the hand <laughs> it's toss up between that and the um the the recording on Zoom for um what was it. Talking about oh god, what movie was it? Are you it? talking about when he, when when, when um, we were talking about seven? And, seven, yeah. Pacino seven. turned down seven, and Justin's like smart choice, smart choice, and then, and I, just, and then I and then I just launched into like Al doing the dissertation on the whole that whole yeah. <laughs> Those definitely that was, stand yeah, out. Those were definitely that was another fun moment too, because like you got I don't know what it was like. Justin said smart choice. You started cracking up, and then I just like went into Pacino telling the story, and you guys just couldn't stop laughing <laughs> right. the whole time. <laughs> um, just totally unscripted, off the wall. It was fun shit. Taking a page from our own podcast, is there an episode that you'd ever pull a mulligan card on? Um, like a redo overall? Not you know, not really. Backdraft no. doesn't stand out. Uh, it's, I, I, okay, so that, <laughs> yeah, that was that was, um, you know, that was I was I was a bit out of sorts for that one, but it was you know we recorded late. I had uh, I hadn't played it smart, figured I could just power through, but I had not gotten the rest I should have gotten, and I just kept you know partying on through the weekend before we recorded. So for, yeah, I, I I will say um, 
that one. I'm not proud of, the, of my, but this is more on my, you know, my end because the microphone was new. I'm not proud of the audio on my audio side on Last Action Hero because I didn't quite have, you know, the microphone set up. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I still that, haven't finished that because, like, he went anytime I come on, I'm like, oh, man, I so wish I would have got this. Speaking of audio and issues, my Mulligan card would be definitely thrown at Casino. Um, because we didn't finish it and there's only technically one half of that episode out there part one is on the uh, the, the, the backlog but part two does not exist still and it's been like f- fuck eight months now or something like that shit it's yeah. been a while yeah. that one was just plagued like the first handful of episodes that me you and Justin did together just seemed to be just like bad omen because the audio would always turn out terrible for some reason or another, whether the microphone wasn't connected and we were recording it through the laptop mic uh, by accident or something. The casino was my own stupidity because I went and edited using my own recording and forgot to save myself a copy, a backup copy. So I went and chopped it in half and excised the second half and got rid of it and forgot to just save a backup. And these things happen. So, But we do have plans to re-record that and do it all together, just kind of like scratch it and yeah there's, there's 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 stuff in the works so it won't always be casino part one oh i i might keep that there forever and ever just for like a little inside joke a running gag but <laughs> i definitely have plans to uh or rather we have plans to make do with uh actually do casino correctly do it right do it a four yeah we just, yeah we just gotta start all over we yeah and we will but um are there any films that you're excited to cover coming up this you know, 2022 that you know that we're I mean um, we, we talked about it just on the most recent episode I'm looking forward to us covering the nice guys that's going to be fun um, I just you know I'm, I can't say enough about that film um, other than that aside from what we've got lined up nothing really is like you know I'm, yeah I'm looking forward to them absolutely but I think that's the one that um, that I that I plan on having a hoot with. Um, I'm looking forward to doing after hours. I had that on the pe- I had that penciled in for 2022. See, and and the reason I guess the reason I would say I'm not looking forward to that, but I have I I, I I I always felt like I never liked that movie the way that I should have. Right. Um, and I haven't, you know, I haven't given it another run in a very, very, very long time. I think I tried to start watching it, um, a while back and didn't even get very far because I knew we were going to cover on the show. So I figured I might Mm -hmm. as well keep that fresh. Um, so that's been, uh, I want to say at least 20 years since I've actually sat down and watched that. So hopefully... You know, unlike Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, viewing did not change. That, that that viewing did not change my opinion one way or the other. So, hopefully, that's going to be a turnaround moment for me, where I actually find you know what you because you and Justin both appreciate that film, yeah, hell of a lot more than I do. Um, I don't know. It's just like I don't know whether I expected something different Gang. or. Gang, there's a lot coming up next year. Like, just to yeah. run down a couple of titles, like, look, I'm going to just spitfire a couple of these, spitball them. I mean, uh, Whiplash, Sicario, The Revenant, Last Boy Scout, John Wick, Alien, The Crow, High Fidelity, Enemy of the State, Gross Point Blank, Boyhood, 
Donnie Darko, the Before Trilogy, The Nice Guys, The Frighteners, Apocalypse Now, Prisoners, Shoot 'em Up, Midnight Run, Gemini Man, Weekend at Bernie's, Detroit Rock City, The Deer Hunter, The Hills Have Eyes, The Social Network, The Fly, and last but not least, The Faculty. So, all that's coming uh, in 2022. Now that you gave the rundown and refresh my memory a little bit, I am looking forward to uh, the three of us getting together for the Deer Hunter. Um, yeah. I've got, Joss and I both have a ton of shit to say about just Michael Cimino in general. Um, so I think that's going to be a nice, solid episode. You know, I think mm-hmm. everybody should block out a good three and a half to four hours that day because we're going to be spending quite some time on that one. So I'm look. I'm really looking forward to that, and I think. Um, didn't you say you 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 own it, but you just still have yet to watch it? Right, I have the. Uh, okay, the so yeah, and that's that's the other 4K. thing too. Is I'm I'm really looking forward to like you know your first your initial take on it because mm-hmm. you know me and Justin probably got thirty viewings under our belt easily. You know, so that's that's one that that definitely I'm looking forward to because it's going to be you know here in your. I don't want to say virginal, but freshman opinion on the film in general, and then me and Justin just going back and forth, which is you know, right. you know, our our, our Chimino fest. <laughs> we tend to gush over that guy's work. So yeah, that's it. Well, there you have it, gang. Our 2021 year in review and a look a look ahead to 2022. All right, weekly recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? I'm going to pull a page out of your book and go a little more old-school, obscure. A film from the late 70s. I think it either came out in 78 or 79. A film called The Silent Partner with Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer and a very young, early appearance by John Candy. Ever seen it? No, never heard of it. I'm looking it up right now. The Silent Silent Partner. Partner. Yeah. Where did you find this at? Uh, I was just going through uh, some... I was actually going through, randomly enough, Christopher Plummer's filmography, and I saw that pop up, and I looked it up, and I saw, like, the cast, and I was like, oh, shit. And then I just streamed it and watched it uh, a few nights ago. Where is it streaming? I had to uh, pay for it. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was was streaming on Hulu, but apparently I had to pay for... uh, like Hulu TV or something like that. And I wasn't right, about to do right, that. Right. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm looking at this synopsis. That definitely sounds cool, man. No, I'd never, I'd never heard of that, but I would. Yeah. This looks. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Hansen. Directed yep. Now. Curtis Hansen wrote it. Or direct. No, no direct. Yeah. yeah. He's uncredited as a, he's, well, he's, he's credited as a screenplay, but he's uncredited as a director, but apparently he co-directed it. Right. Yeah. Sure enough. John Keeney. Well, yeah. No, I have to give this one. I have to hunt this one down. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, solid, man. And that was, yeah. Since, was, you know, also what, thinks what it, you know, since it's the holidays, because Plummer plays a bank robber disguised as Santa Claus. And I was going to say, Elliot Gold like skims, from the, skims from the top, and that's, he's pretty much on the run from Plummer, who's a hitman, more or less, trying to, wants yeah. his money back that he took from him. And it's, and, and it's when, it was when, it was when, like, my favorite, Elliot Gould era was that whole, you know, 1970s. That's why I'm yeah, shocked you've never heard of this movie. Now, for real, dude, you definitely shine a light on this one for me, man. I'm going to keep an eye out for this guy. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything yeah. for this week or this episode? Um, yeah, I do. I do, as a matter of fact. Um, and this is, again, it's going it's going back quite a bit. 
uh, around the you know around the same time, actually same year seventy eight. Um, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, but I had uh, it, this is one that that um, I found I think on Prime or something, and Mandy and I decided to watch it. And it wasn't until like there was a couple of scenes um, about halfway through that suddenly I had flashes that oh my god I saw this movie when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a movie called Blue Collar. You know what I'm talking about? What year is this? 1978. Blue Collar from 78. Who's in it? Uh, Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel, Yafet Kodo, uh, directed by Paul Schrader. No. Nah. Yeah, basically no. they're um you know no, yeah sure. so yeah yeah it's 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 pretty it's it's now granted it's prior playing a little it's it's more of a drama than a comedy even though you see Richard Pryor in there I mean there's a couple of funny moments but it's definitely not like you know a Richard Pryor vehicle this is you know it was a serious commentary at the time essentially what they are is these guys um it's Kaitel uh you know uh Cotter uh I mean um uh Yafet Kodo and uh. Richard Pryor, they're, they're auto workers. I'm mm-hmm. probably in Detroit or whatever, you know, working on assembly line. Right. And, um, they, they basically figure they're getting screwed over by the man. They decide to steal from their union only to find the union's been skimming the whole fucking time. They do this break in like the, you know, in the beginning of the movie, they break in and there ain't fucking shit in the safe. Right. And then these right. three guys got to kind of, get to the bottom of what's going on with and it's essentially it was Schrader making commentary against you know the working class getting you know getting stepped on you know by the white collar man so to speak um so yeah I think it's still on prime um yeah yeah it's called uh it's called blue collar Richard Pryor Harvey Keitel Yafet Kato pretty good story pretty good flick all right so we both learned something new today, huh? There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Hot water burn baby. Mm. Hot water burn baby. Mm-mm. This is Rain Man. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. That's me drive slow on the driveway. There's only 28 miles on the odometer since I drove it a week ago last Saturday. It should be more than 28 miles. What is this? Who is this guy? Raymond is your brother. My brother? I, I don't have a brother. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. You know how to drive? Yeah. Raymond, Raymond, Raymond! You never, never touch the steering wheel when I'm driving. Do you hear me? Yeah. Do you hear me? Of course, I don't have my underwear. What? Them bones, them bones gonna walk around on them bones, them bones gonna walk around on them bones, them bones gonna walk around now hear the word of the Lord. Did you do? Kiss Susanna. Did you enjoy kissing a woman? I don't know. How was that? 
Wet. <laughs> Wet? Yeah. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise, in a Barry Levinson film. I like having you for my brother. I'm an excellent driver. All right, Rain Man tells the story of abrasive, selfish, young wheeler dealer Charlie Babbitt, played by Tom Cruise, who discovers that his estranged father has died and virtually left him his everyone else but himself, the multi-million dollar estate to his other son, Raymond, an autistic savant whose existence Charlie was unaware of. Charlie is left with only his father's beloved vintage car and rose bushes. All right, first time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that... You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So if I'm not up to, uh, it's Big Daddy took me to see it, Golden Ring Mall, 1988. Um, uh, it was probably, if not opening weekend, then the following weekend because you know it was, it was getting you know rave reviews, obviously. Look what it came out of the, you know, look what it walked away with. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I distinctly remember seeing this with my dad in the theater. Um, it was about 14 years old. Hmm. Um, I can't pinpoint a time. I remember this used to play a lot on Cinemax when I was younger. Right. Um, so you probably caught it on cable. Yeah. Yeah. It was always playing along with Charles, uh, along with the first child's play. Cause it came out the same year, same time. Um, in fact, it's funny because they both had the same opening MGM UA logo, and it used to freak me out because I'm like, is it Child's Play or is it Rain Man? Is it Child's Play <laughs> it was or is a it gamble. Rain Man? It was only gonna, it was they only made two movies that year. It was a 50-50 shot. And, am I getting right. Chucky or Raymond? Which one is it? So, <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, that's it. I can't pinpoint actual time. Just when I was younger on Cinemax. So. Um, let's do live top five. Rob, it's your turn. Okay. I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Hey. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a- Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though and not on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection, the song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. All right, top five favorite 80s cruise films. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> all right, my number five is Cocktail. How to throw Cocktail on there. Uh, it's that 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 made my um that that basically made the honorable mention list for me because um I will say this around that time like I used to actually like tell this joke in the early nineties like you know that was when Tom Cruise's vehicle was like he's always the world's greatest something or another the world's greatest bartender you know world's greatest fighter pilot you know world's greatest race car driver. I was like, what next? You're going to be the world's greatest taxi driver? You know? Um, yeah, co- a cocktail's fun. It's no, got a moment. World's but, greatest taxi passenger. Yeah, well, true, but that's not, that's not for 20 more years. Um, Previous episode, Collateral. Uh, it's Yeah, a good episode, too. Um, but I, 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 like Brian, I like Brian Brown and Cocktail. You know, Me, too. My introduction lot, to Brian Brown. I'm sorry. Oh, that was your introduction? Mine yeah, that Australian bastard. 
Yeah, yeah, he's he was a cool, he was a cool motherfucker. No, mine would mm-hmm. mine would have been when he played uh, Raleigh in FX with uh, with Brian Dennehy, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. my 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 number five um, is uh, you ever heard of a movie called Losing It? I've seen him. I've seen a cover box with Tom Cruise on it. I've just never seen it. Uh, yeah, it's early. I'm going to say like 82, 83. It's uh, him, right. Jackie or Haley. Um, what's his name? John Stockwell. Basically, it's like a bunch of kids in the mid 60s. They, they, you know, they're heading down to Tijuana. So they, yeah, because it's you know, him in like a varsity jacket on the front cover. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I'm not no, mistaken, no, no, no. That's 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 all the right moves. That oh. was that was a year or two after losing it. Gotcha. All the right moves more of a is more of a drama about you know him being a you know college football star. Um, losing it is is a comedy. Um, but I heard if he like, tilts the right way in that film, you can see his penis. It's, they're, they're, you may be right. Um, I, was, I was quoting Scream, but but yeah, there's it's basically these you know these four guys they you know they're they're high school kids and I don't know South, Southern California whatever they decide to drive down to Tijuana, you know, so that they can get some Spanish fly and lose their virginity. You know, uh, Shelley Long shows up. Yeah, so losing it was my number five. All right, my number four is Born on the Fourth of July. So is mine, dude. All right, cool, Ron, cool, great. Great, yeah. man's fun. Now, great mine's take a life. Andrew, interesting little tidbit about that movie, too. Yeah. Um, towards the end, um, it's what I want to say it's been on the last maybe 15, 20 minutes, there's a scene where hit, where uh, Cruz's uh, character, Ron Kovacs, you know, he's kind of being wheeled out to, you know, to speak in an anti-war rally, and he's kind of being pushed through the crowds. And there's this one guy who kind of pops in over his shoulder, delivers like a line or two of dialogue basically like encouraging him before he gets on the stage that was abby hoffman hmm. and abby was still living underground at that time abby was still wanted hmm. you know by the by the feds but because it was this anti-war movie that leave with the stone, oliver stone right exactly you know so yeah like it's it's literally that, that was probably like the last time well, not anybody, but last time the general public would have ever gotten a glimpse at at at, at Abbott H. Hoffman, man. Yeah, that was Abby Hoffman's got a, a quick blink and you'll miss a cameo at the end of Born on the Fourth of July. And it's appropriate, too. Mm-hmm. All right. My number three is Risky Business. This is where Cruz became a star in my eyes. Yeah, um, mine is The Outsiders. So my number, that would be my number six honorable mention for sure. Um just now, if, did you? If did he was in it longer, definitely. Well, yeah, yeah. Now, have you you know about this? Um, it, yeah, it's the, not the, like the the, uh, the, 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 the 4K. The, the, yeah. The, the, well, the, I think he calls it like the novel cut, where yeah. he actually, which has been a thing. Went, it's, it's now in 4K. It's now available in 4K. Yeah, I, the novel I, I cut's never, always been out. And it, well, it's not always been out. It's only been it's been out maybe like ten or twelve years or so. I just right, discovered it. I just discovered it about a month ago oh, and, shit. and watch it for my first time. And it was, you know, um, I, I think there's a couple more, you know, scenes and moments with Cruz in it, but yeah, you're right. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's not one of the guys front and center, but right. you know, he's Steve, he's there. Right. Steve, you know, eats that whole fucking chocolate cake and then does a backflip off the hood of a car. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So my number my number two. We're at two right now, right? Yeah. Number number two is Top Gun. Uh, mine is Risky Business. All right. 
my number one is Rain Man. Uh, so is mine. Uh, so definitely. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. I mean, naturally, you know, Hoffman walked away with the Oscar for this, but I was surprised to find out that Cruz didn't even get any nominations. Really. Yeah, I'm going to talk was, about that. So yeah. we're going to. I mean, off I on get it. One. It was still kind of like his his career was just that's bullshit. I got a lot but to say about that coming up. There's, I, th- you know, there's, the, I don't understand why he didn't he didn't get yeah. nominated. You know, my man was robbed. This one. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into this bitch. Here we go. The film starts with a Orange shot, LA skyline. You can just feel the heat coming off the television set as I'm watching this. Tom Cruise's Charlie Babbitt is at the dock waiting, watching his red Lamborghini being lifted off the dock. He's a collector's dealer importing four gray market Lamborghinis for resale because we learned that he needs to uh, deliver the cars to impatient buyers who have already made down payments in order to repay the loan he took out to buy them. Problem is, the EPA is holding the cars at the port because they all failed emissions. Can I just add that you're traveling on thin ice depending on this money towards a loan and not even having product to deliver? Like, we're not even three minutes in, and I already know what kind of guy Charlie is. Yeah, like you said, he's a wheeler. Dealer is a hustler. I'd like to talk about, I, I just love how it opens up to the Ico Ico song. Yeah, you know, I yeah, always, yeah. I always, always dug that song, man. My grandma, your grandma, see <laughs> by the fire. My grandma said to your grandma, I'm going to set your flag on fire. Talk about it hey now. Hey yeah, now. That was always a cool song. Aiko, aiko, ani. Yakamo fino, anani. Yakamo fino, ani. I don't understand half of what I'm singing, but I know by fucking heart. It's just a cool song. But yeah, you're right. And they are like, I never quite put that together, but you're right. It is gray market. It's not necessarily black market, but something tells me Charlie Babbitt doesn't really exactly, you know, hold an upstanding import export license. Oh, you know, hell no. With, no, 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 no. We, with, we, we definitely learn that next scene. I mean, shit. <laughs> he's got this super busy garage office and he's on the phone making calls. He's got another guy working behind him and his girlfriend, Susanna, played by Valerie Giorlino. More on her in a bit. She's a secretary. Well, who's who's the other dude, man? Who's playing? Who is he? Who is that? That's Dude, that's Crease from the beginning of Fletch. Okay, okay. I thought he looked familiar. I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this? I didn't mind yeah, him up here. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, he was, he was a bit of a that guy character after an 80s. Oh, definitely. But I always remember him as playing as playing Crease in the opening scene of Fletch mm-hmm. when him and Chevy Chase were like laying there, you know, on the sand by the board. On the beach. Yeah, it's right. Cr- yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, how old are you, Crease? 17. You, uh, you. You're not taking very good care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, na- his name in the film is Lenny because he directs Lenny, him to. Uh, yeah. He tells him to lie to the buyers and offer them a five five thousand dollar discount each car, looking for uh, their money back. While he yeah, stalls. just tell them they, the cars have j- the cars have just passed um, emissions. They're waiting right. on the EPA mm-hmm. paperwork. And he stalls his car to Wyatt. He's looking for the money for his swing loan, 
And to be honest with you guys, I'm kind of more interested in seeing the outcome of the situation than Charlie and his long lost brother Raymond at this point. Because <laughs> I'm just like, man, this guy's really. Mm, I kind of want to see his kids come up, and because you know it's coming, but then he just pushes it all aside. Charlie and Susanna then head to Palm Springs. Just running away from his problems, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I guess they were just they were just going to take their own little getaway, just to, you know, it wasn't like he was going there for business. He says he had it planned for because she, you know, this is where she wants to go. He reminds her twenty times coming up, but uh, it's like, dude, you have all you have a whole plate full of shit that's like serious stuff, like a quarter million dollar problems, and he's just like, fuck it, let's go to Palm Springs. All right, cool, run away from your problems. I get it. So, on the way, she's asking him to actually have conversations and actually talk to her more. She feels like he's uh, she's she's going away with a ghost. He's not taking any of her feelings seriously, reminding her that they're going to Palm Springs because of her. His employee, Lenny, calls and tells him that his father, Sanford, has suddenly died and the funeral's tomorrow in Cincinnati. He hangs up and he apologizes about the weekend. She says that she's going with him to the funeral. Then we see him turn around as the scene as the scene fades to the funeral itself. It's nice to see this scumbag at least have a heart and remembers where to go for the funeral. He's um, going. He's going for the reading of the fucking. Yeah, world, I know, I know. But the real question he's, I have he here: He could give two shits about burying Sanford Babbitt. He wants to get to that attorney and hear the fucking outcome of the will. But but the the real question and, I have out of all this, real quick, hang on. The the, the, the honest question I have is Sanford. Really? That's the dude's name? They gave him the name of Sanford, like Sanford and Son? I got an even bigger question for you. <laughs> okay, what's that? What the hell is G.D. Spradlin doing at the funeral side-eyeing Charlie Babbitt? And he's, does, he, he doesn't show up again at all in the movie. <laughs> no. Like, nope. you, I'm teased for a little bit. Like, for a second there, I felt like Spradlin was redeeming himself for the second week in a row on our show. He's like, look, sorry I showed up in Long Kiss Goodnight. Here I am in Rain Man. You know, but then that's it. He's just there. Doesn't have a line of dialogue. He's nope. just mean mugs. Charlie, and that's it. No more G.D. Spradlin. Like, I, I, I feel like there was a subplot with his character that got written out. <laughs> so after the funeral, Charlie tells Susanna that he's just got to go over some paperwork with for the will, and they'll be heading back that evening. So he then takes her to his father's house and first shows her his classic 1949 Buick Roadmaster convertible, only 8,000 ever made, in the garage before heading inside. That Roadmaster is such a sight to see. I'm I'm not much of a car guy, but I throw some serious punches to have that gorgeous vehicle. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, man, that like butterscotch yellow. Mm-hmm. You know, it just that is that is a that is a sexy, sexy, oh, yeah. sexy. Old school car, man. It'll make them like they used to, boy. Oh, no. So inside, featuring the ugliest goddamn floral wallpaper that no bachelor should ever have attached to his drywall, he tells her that, <laughs> he tells her his, um, this story of how it was off limits to him, the car, because it was a classic. He got all A's on his report card once and felt that he deserved to take it on a victory drive for once, but his dad still said no. And that he took it out anyway with his friends at 3 a.m. And his dad reported it stolen. Cop pulled him over. Kept Charlie in jail for two days while his friends got picked up by their parents. And he then says that that was the moment that he turned his back on his dad. When he was a kid and he got scared, the Rain Man would come and sing to him. The Rain Man was like an imaginary childhood friend that he used to have. Um, I remember that for later on. 
Later that mm-hmm. evening, his attorney reads Charlie a letter that pretty much belittles him for not ever talking to him ever again for that incident with the car. It leaves him the car and outright title of his prize-winning hybrid rose bushes while everything else, the $3 million, goes to the trust that will go to Raymond, Charlie's older brother. And I remember, too, the day you left home, so full of bitterness and grandiose ideas, so full of yourself. And being raised without a mother, the hardness of your heart is understandable as well. Uh, your refusal to even pretend that you loved or respected me, all these I forgive. But your failure to write, to telephone, to re-enter my life in any way has left me without a son. I wish you all I ever wanted for you. I wish you the best. I hereby bequeath to my son, Charles Sanford Babbitt, that certain Buick convertible, the very car that unfortunately brought our relationship to an end. Also, outright title to my prize-winning hybrid rose bushes. May they remind him of the value of excellence and the possibility of perfection. As for my home and all other property, real and personal, these shall be placed in trust, in accordance with the terms of that certain instrument executed concurrently herewith. What does that mean, the last part? What does that mean? It means that the estate, in excess of $3 million after expenses and taxes, will go into a trust fund for a beneficiary to be named in this document. Who, who is that? Who, no, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. Who controls the money? You, you control the no, money? No, it's called a trustee. What is that? How does that work? How does that work? Forgive me, but there's nothing more I can say. Now, I'm sorry, son. I can see that you're disappointed. Disappointed? Why should I be disappointed? I got rose bushes, didn't I? I got a used car, didn't I? What's his name got? What'd you call him? The uh... beneficiary. Right, right. Beneficiary. He got $3 million, but he didn't get the rose bushes. I got the rose bushes. I definitely got the rose bushes. Charles. I definitely got the rose bushes. I mean, those are rose bushes. There's no need to To what? To be upset? To be upset? If there is a hell, sir, my father's in it, and he is looking up right now, and he is laughing his ass off. Sanford Babbitt, you want to be that guy's son for five minutes? Did you hear that letter? Were you listening? Yes, sir, I was. Were you? No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears. Let's talk about Charlie's well, Char- reaction here. Because it's, it's a yeah, shame Char- that- First of all, yeah, Charlie doesn't... All Charlie knows is there's a trust, but he doesn't know who the beneficiary is. Not yet. The attorney yeah, won't tell yeah. You know, but yeah, Charlie's reaction. I love it because he's melting down. He's like, well, he's like, I, I, I definitely, but I definitely got the rose bushes. I got the rose bushes, right? I'm he's like, why would I be upset? I got the rose bushes. I got the rose bushes. I got a car. To be upset, to be upset. If there was a hell, sir, my father is in it and he is looking up right now, laughing his ass off. Yes, he is. Um, This is where I'm, this is the moment where I'm like, why isn't Cruz in any meant any conversation for best actor or whatnot no this year this is it this is the scene this is the moment here like this is where i feel like he's got me won over with this monologue here not much of a monologue but this scene in general like his reaction to to you know the will outcome it's just it's good shit it really is it's it's like it is and it it only gets better he delivers he, he delivers you know throughout the film it keeps getting more and more solid i mean I was surprised as I was taking these notes. I went to look back at, you know, at, at, at the awards that, you know, obviously I knew, you know, a handful that it won, but I was curious what it got nominated for. And he wasn't nominated anywhere, you mm-hmm. know, not a BAFTA, nothing. So you know, he, he tells, 
He tells Susanna that he got what he expected and heads back the next day in the Roadmaster and they uh, stop at a credit union and he pretends to have a problem with his so-called private trust and uses his charm to find out it's going to a local mental institution and then he heads to he heads there with uh, Susanna. So, ah, the old Hollywood cliche of using charm to will over your average Nancy for personal gain. Gotta love it. And at this point, I think it's time to acknowledge Hans Zimmer's score here because it's so good and really reminds uh-huh. me of his work on True Romance, which would come out five years later. I think both scores yeah, are does. kind of similar. And, and, very, they, and I, they I love really that are. score. With a lot of I like was, the xylophones and like pan flutes and stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I just, yeah. So Charlie invites himself in. Suzanne is definitely skeptical. They come across the room full of people with mental illness. Illness. Watching a trivia show asking a question about Goldie Hawn and Private Benjamin. What show is this? I can't put my finger on it. I couldn't look. I, I, I don't find I, it. Yeah, anywhere. I'm not sure what. I'm I'm not sure what show it was they were watching at that point. Right. Yeah. I didn't even catch it with that it was a Private Benjamin uh, question. <laughs> I just watched that not too long ago. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what, uh, you know, game show that would have, that was supposed to be. I have no idea. Damn. I figured you would have known. Yeah. I don't know. If, if I'd have seen Dick Clark, I'd have said $20,000 pyramid, but I don't think that's the one. No, it wasn't. Definitely wasn't Dick Clark. Um, Charlie is in the office. Dr. Gerald Bruner, Gerald Bruner's office played by, Gerald Mullen, an actor and producer who's done a lot of work with uh, Steven Spielberg about the, the trust. Brunner tells him that he's known his father since Charlie was two years old, and it's because of that loyalty that he's been named the trustee of the fund. Meanwhile, Susanna's outside waiting in the car. When we're introduced to Raymond, Charlie's brother, although she doesn't know who it is at the time, he's in the driver's seat as soon as we, we, we cut to this scene, and he knows all about the car where it was, how many miles were on it. He used to drive, he mentions driving it in the, on Saturdays in the driveway. Um, I think this is a great introduction to Raymond. Like, it's perfect. It's kind of in tune with his character. Like, just all of a sudden, randomly sitting in this car seat, you know, with her just not knowing what to do in the passenger seat. Like, can I help you? Like, so Charlie shows up, takes Raymond out of the car, Charlie picks up on the brown leather brown leather comment that Ray mentions, and then uh, he says he was able to drive the car in the driveway every Saturday. Raymond suddenly heads inside, saying, "Uh-oh, 13 minutes to the people's court." And Bruner confirms to Charlie that Ray's his brother. So, a lot to unpack here. Dustin Hoffman, so believable as this Raymond character, brings fucking tears to my eyes. This yeah. performance, man, yeah. I literally. Like I was, I, I was like weeping, just uh, tears of elatement watching him play this part again. You know, like every time he gets me, dude. I mean, it's just he's so, so fucking great in this film, and and arguably, I think, out of the last thirty some odd years, hands down, one of the most deserving of the Best Actor Oscar was the performance that Hoffman gave as Raymond Babbitt. Look, you know, there's there's right ways of handling incredible. these types of characters, and we yeah. see people like Hoffman and Hanks handling it with the attention that they deserve, and they'll be remembered forever. Those roles, 
And then there's the bad way. How many people remember I Am Sam or or Charlie or even radio for that matter, you know? Right, exactly. It's like, what, what it, you say, it's like the Thunder? line. It's like Tropic Thunder. You never go Dustin, to Dustin Hoffman, Rayman, Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump. Right. Look right. retarded, act retarded. Got one guy count cards, the other play ping pong. Not retarded. <laughs> Sean Penn, I Am Sam, <laughs> went full retard. Also went home at the end. <laughs> Oh, shit. So Ray's watching the people's court in his room while Bruner's out of Bruner's out in the hall with Charlie explaining Ray's disability. He's a savant with strict routines, such as people's court every day. Charlie keeps calling him an idiot, a savant, along with some other choice words. Bruner breaks it down, and Charlie realizes everyone was hiding the fact that he had an older brother to him. He tells Charlie he doesn't understand the concept of money when he asks if he knows of the money. So we see Ray then spit baseball facts and then suddenly becomes anxious when Charlie opens a Shakespeare book. He says he doesn't know if he's reading it before, if he's read it before and Charlie ridicules him for it. And as we see, we continue seeing this relationship between Ray and his handler, Vern. Well, um, what it is, 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 is Ray's literally reciting Abin Costello's who's on first verbatim because um, Charlie and Susanna are, are just kind of going through and touching his stuff. And Vern's got to let him know. He's like, that's just something he does when he gets nervous. He don't really like people touching his stuff. So that's the black and white yeah. film at the end of the film that they're watching? Well, uh, yeah, who's on first? Okay, I, did, I, I couldn't uh, figure out what that was that they were watching. Yeah, fu- funny enough, actually, in high school, um, for like a talent show, me and a buddy of mine did the bit, and I played oh, the... Cool. Uh, yeah, I was it's somewhere. There's a video cassette of it. Uh, of I think Tony's mom uh, recorded it. It was for like a Mr. Patapsco pageant in night back in like '91 or '92, and basically Tony was playing the Lou Costello part of the coach, mm-hmm. and I was the you know the Bud Abbott you know comic relief end of the reporter. And one thing I'll never forget is like even though you know we had rehearsed it and stuff and everybody else on the show had seen us during rehearsal but even doing the live performance i remember at one point like i go to do like a dramatic turn like where i turn stage left like i'm going to storm off and then i come back but when i did that i see my friends that are in the show and they're like on the ground doubled up and we were doing such a great job Mm-hmm. That people who've been seeing us doing it all week were in tears. I'll never forget the audience being doubled over. I did one hell of a job doing Who's On First back in 1992, my friend. Somewhere out there, somebody's got a VHS copy of that performance. It's probably somewhere. You know, it's, 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 it. it's probably somewhere in Patapsco High in, in that vault. And their archives. Yeah, I would. I mean, this is before they were a magnet school. I mean, they are a magnet it, school for theater arts, so now, it makes sense. yeah, because and they, they, they a, lot, a lot of the reason they went that route is because of the efforts I put into the into the theater organization my 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 junior and senior years. Like they started steering more towards that. To this day, people who graduated come to me like, "Wow, man, you're Sean Elliott. You're a fucking legend." Where we went, I'm like, "Dude, it was just a high school when I did that shit." Slow down, um, bro. Slow I'm serious. Down. I'm not kidding Listen you. To I'm not kidding right you. now. <laughs> I'm not. I am not kidding you. I am not kidding you. I'm not right. kidding you. So Charlie suggests they go for a walk. And Raymond gets approval through a skeptical Vern. However, Jeopardy is on in less than a half hour, but Charlie Charlie promises to have him back in time. So they sit down outside by the lake, and Charlie tries explaining to Ray that their father had died. 
and he asks if he wants to go to L.A. with him, but he keeps saying, I don't know, in response. To the point, Charlie finally changes the uh, subject back to baseball, and because of raise attention to the lineups, they decided to go on a Dodge. They they decided to <coughs> go to a Dodgers game on a Wednesday on Wednesday when uh, Fernando Valenzuela is pitching. And Charlie uses that to trick Ray into going to California, even though he definitely has to be back in two hours. What are you looking at, Ray? Ray, the ducks are over here. What are you looking at? I don't know. Listen, our father died. You know that he died last week? Did they tell you that? I don't know. You don't know if they told you or you don't know what dead is? That means he's he's gone. He's not with us anymore. He's at the cemetery. You want to you wanna go see him at the cemetery, Ray? I don't know. Does that mean maybe? Does that mean maybe you want to go? I don't know. You know, I live in Los Angeles. I thought maybe you'd go to Los Angeles like to see a Dodger game. Go go see the go see the Dodgers play. Today's an off day. Oh, we don't have to go today. Monday, no game schedule. Just thought maybe you'd like to go to Los Angeles with me, you know, go see Fernando Valenzuela pitch. Fernando Valenzuela pitch Saturday, not scheduled to pitch till Wednesday. He's gonna pitch on Wednesday? Wednesday. Well, I'm not doing anything on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Let's go to LA. Yeah. Come on, Ray. Of course, of course, there's a long way to California, and I'm definitely, definitely not supposed to be off the grounds for more than two hours. Definitely have to be back in two hours. Well, wait till you get there. The people, I'm definitely not crowds supposed to be off cheering, the grounds. you'll love I, it. I have to be back in two hours. Vern, or Vern Rogers rather, from the Institute as Charlie and Ray walk all the way down the stretch of road to Susanna, where she's at the end of it waiting in the car. Um, and this, yeah, and this, is, this, is, I, the, this is the iconic poster I, shot. This is the, I was going to say, that I, it's such, like, both them walking away from a camera and then a few seconds later walking towards, it is one of the finest, you know, shot sequences in the film. Yeah, it's the poster. You know, it's up there. there there's a number of them, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's such such a, a great, just like, there's nothing important, you know, being exposited here, but it's just, I don't know, it's just an iconic shot. It's been ingrained in our memory for 40 years now. I feel like that was a big thing in like, especially the 80s, even a little bit in the 70s, not so much the 90s and onward, but like... What do you mean? The famous shot from the movie being the poster, you know? Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of a thing, like a marketing thing yeah. that, that, that they would do. They, they would find a great moment of cinematography and, you know, latch onto that where, you know... It sold you on the film, but it didn't give too much away, and it you know it intrigued you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I love the bridge sound that Ray's in the back seat making while they're driving. Yeah, they're driving over the grace. The like, every time yeah. they go, he's like, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> he's just imitating the sound that, that, that yeah is coming off of the bridge as the car's driving over it. So we got ourselves an old fashioned road trip. Nah. They get to our hotel room, and Ray's immediately flustered. It's not his room. His bed's in the wrong spot, and he doesn't have his books. So Charlie throws him a phone book to read instead. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely bookless. Yeah, of course I'm, I'm, I'm bookless. Yeah. <laughs> so moving uh, when when Charlie and Susanna leave, 
Ray starts moving stuff around, knocks the lamp over, screaming, uh-oh, V-E-R-N. V-E-R-N, my main man, Vern, <laughs> uh-oh, Vern, V-E-R-N, Susanna, my, home, my homeboy. Susanna attends to him and calms him down with the television and uh, turns on Wheel of Fortune with Ray reciting the entire opening narration <laughs> on point while Over Charlie orders a pizza. and fifty thousand dollars in these great prizes here on wheel of fortune and it's like and and the way hoffman plays it too throughout the entire like he's just it's obvious that ray's sunk into his own world he doesn't you know barely make really make eye contact right you know with anybody it's just just such a great way to portray I don't want to call it a disability, but, you know, it's definitely, uh, is malady the right word? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, it's just, the, Could be. cause I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I was going to figure we talk about this later on, but let's just get on it. Um, in, at, around this time, uh, in, in 88, especially right after the film, it came out, it was getting all kinds of talk, especially about, Hoffman's performance, it really shined a light on autism for like at least the country as a whole. Like, yes, it had been around, but it wasn't like common knowledge to you. Like, I didn't know what an autistic savant was until seeing this. And then it even got to the point where they were, they were, there was like talk show specials, like fucking Oprah and shit. And they would have these types of savants on. I remember, you know, watching one where this guy, you know, he was an autistic and, and like you gave him a, you gave him any date that he was ever alive for and he could give you the exact weather that it was that day, you know, like real people. So it, it, it kind of helped, you know, shine a light or at least wake people up to the fact that, that, that there's these type of people that exist. They're not, you know, they're not handicapped, but they're, they're, it's, I don't know, I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to put in the wrong words, but like it was after this came out that more and more people started taking notice of well, autism. Well, I had this, yeah. I actually did have this conversation penned in or penciled in for later on uh, in the, in the conversation, but we'll do it now. Oh shit. My, my note here does ask, um, is Charlie really this ignorant or is autism or was autism really this obvious or oblivious back in the eighties? Like, it was, it would, it, honestly, it was, it was like, it wasn't a prevalent, like thing like we discuss it now and we all know about it like i'm sure you've seen you know people got the tattoo of the puzzle piece as like yeah. a way of supporting you know there was none, and now it's the color blue none, right exactly there was there was hardly any of that like it wasn't discussed outside of a clinical situation so unless you know a direct friend or family member was diagnosed the average person had no idea that that this existed right then. and i'm right. speaking from you know from the at the time i was 14 and i was like wow man there's really people like this out there i had no clue until coming out of the theater and then you know throughout the whole you know awards junkets and all that stuff beyond just you know them showing up talking about the movie is people really it started a conversation it really did start a conversation about autism that i think is only 
grown over the last 30 some odd it's years. It's a shame it took that long in a major motion picture. It really uh, fucking and, and is. A, in a major motion picture to start that conversation, to strike that I mean, conversation. But it, it's, you're absolutely right. It's a crying fucking shame that not only did it take that long, but it took this. But hey, at least this happened and it now became part of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, because I can talk for, I can speak firsthand. Uh, 2005 I worked I spent the year working uh, for the county on the, the for special needs kids on the bus okay okay and so you got so direct I've, experience I've, yeah I have I have first hand experience with, with um, all sorts there are various you know types of autism that like I have seen firsthand almost. stages levels whatever you want to call it yes there right. and there's different types there's like you've got people there are definitely people like Raymond who exist in the world there are definitely people who are like Raymond but don't speak at all uh, there are people who like that room when they first go to the Institute and they walk in when they're watching that television show, you have a whole variety. Yeah. There's, there's people with Down syndrome and, and other people. Yeah. They, yeah. There's just, you know, I've, I've seen it all. And there are unfortunately some who are just aggressive. Those are like the, 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 the ones who unfortunately need like 24 seven care because they're just right. Right. It's and just, it's and, rage, and, you know, they can't handle yeah, and, it. They can't and, control and it. The case in the, in the case of Raymond Babbitt, it's a very small percentage that are, I don't want to, it's when he's provoked. Function. It's when he's provoked. He, he kind of right, has that moment right. where he's hitting himself. But it's obviously, you know, the whole, the whole numbers thing, the counting thing, that's just like, you know, from the autism, mm-hmm. you know, so he's borderline functional. Like he could almost quite function, but not, you know, you can almost function, but not quite, not without the assistance of a right. clinically trained professional. And I also, not to get, you know, ahead to the end so yeah. early in this conversation, but it, it kind of plays into this conversation currently. I don't really yeah. want to, I, I appreciate how the film didn't make light of it and they didn't, we didn't get that no. Hollywood ending of like all of a sudden, you know, Raymond remembers and he, and, and, and has that happy ending. It's like, no, the ending is real. It's reality. It's, you know, Raymond you needs care. Yes. No matter how much you may, you may have fallen in love with him over these last couple of hours and you may want him and Charlie to grow old together. But the fact of the matter is Raymond needs the type of care that and Charlie I, And I applaud Barry Levinson for not going that route and, and not oh, choosing yeah. to go the Hollywood cliche ending no. and, and giving us, you know, this is reality. You're going to get it no matter what, no matter how much you want him to answer these questions the way you want you to, him to. This is the sick, sad reality of the situation that we're in. So, yeah. but anyway, uh, not to get too far ahead of things, uh, let's get back on track here. Yeah, sorry about that. No, but no, I'm, you're I'm good. Glad you're we good. had you're that good. conversation. You're good. You're good. I wanted, I wanted to have that conversation about you know how they shine the yeah, light yeah, on yeah. you know on on, on, on on the you know affliction. So know. why do they have pizza? Because uh, it's Monday nights. Yeah, they have pepperoni pizza on Monday. Monday. Monday's Italian. Italian night. Monday's Italian. Uh, Monday's Italian night. Tonight be tonight's pepperoni pizza. Yep. All right. So later that night, Ray's ready for the film. Uh, ready, reading. I'm sorry, my, my notes are typed uh, typo. Later that night, Ray's reading the phone book. That just sounds ridiculous saying that out loud. When he starts hearing <laughs> Susanna and Charlie going at it, 
I love this scene every time. He goes in with his head <laughs> tilt and his cup of cheese balls and starts mimicking those sounds at the foot of the bed. Yeah, they're, she's, they're under the cover making love. She's moaning and he's just like, every time she groans, he's got he groans. his head tilt, mimicking those sounds, eating cheese balls and watching Sweet Smell of Success on TV. I'm glad you brought that up. Have you ever seen that? I just now caught the fact that that's what they were watching. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never seen it, but I'm aware of it. Oh, dude, so great with with with, with Burt Lancaster and Tony yeah. Curtis yeah. as uh, from fifty seven as J as J Hansecker and South. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a good little slice of noir. I'm pretty sure it's on Prime. That's where I watched it. But yeah, like like Lancaster is kind of a slimy motherfucker. Is J J Hansecker in that film? It's one of his greatest performances. And Cruz catches him, yells from the get out. Oh my fucking god, dude! I love out. it. I lose it every time get I see out. this scene. It's so fucking funny. It really, yeah, is. he's just sitting on the foot of the bed. They're oh, under the covers god. going at it. <laughs> and then she goes, "See, see, see!" You hear him really quickly. You just go, "See." <laughs> so Susanna asks Charlie to apologize to his brother, but he instead ridicules him because he's still pissed over the money. Susanna eventually leaves him. After he announces yeah, Susanna's his plan. hollering at him. She's like, you're just using him. He goes, Raymond, am I using you? Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. He's yeah. answering a question from a half hour ago. I wrote that quote. <laughs> I wrote that quote down. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> am I using you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shut up. Shut up. He is answering a question from a half an hour ago. So she dips out. <laughs> oh, God. And then the next morning, Charlie and Ray are about, they're, yeah, they're getting breakfast at the diner. Ray immediately notices the waitress's name is Sally Dibbs, played by a Sally name. Dibbs, Dibbs Sally. Incredibly young Bonnie Hunt in her first role. Oh my goodness, that was Bonnie Hunt. That's Bonnie Hunt. I didn't even put that together. Ooh, didn't yeah. even put it together this time. Yeah, first role. No yep. clue. No shit. Yeah. And then who would have thought about seven, eight years later, her and Cruz would reunite and, uh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, yeah. yeah. And he knows her phone number. He knows this because he memorized everything from A to half of G in the phone book. Yeah, you, you read you read the phone book? You memorized the phone book, Ray? Everything from A to half of G. Tuesday, we have pancakes. So Charlie orders pancakes with maple syrup, although Ray's anxious because there's no toothpicks or maple syrup. Charlie explains that they haven't even ordered yet. He tries touching Ray, and he yells, Ow! And then when Charlie says the word fuck, we hear Ray go, uh-oh. Then Ray, Ray starts writing down He's his, got this his notebook, serious, 1988, severe injury. Serious injury Charlie, was. Yeah. Serious injury, 1988. <laughs> no, serious injury number 18, 1988, Charlie Babbitt. Squeeze and pulled and hurt Squeeze my neck. Squeeze and pulled and hurt his neck, yep. Charlie then calls <laughs> Bruno for half the estate in exchange for Raymond's return, but Bruno refuses. He's also yelling for toothpicks while after uh, or before hanging up. <clears throat> and Sally... Spills the toothpicks, and he counts them. 82, then 246, with Sally telling Charlie there's four left in the box of 250. So Charlie decides to attempt to gain custody of his brother in order to get control of the money. On the road, we hear uh, 97X, BAM! The future of rock and roll. 97X. The future of rock and roll. 97X. BAM! The future of rock and roll. Come through. It's 97X. Bam. The future of rock and roll. 97X. Bam. The future of rock and roll. Ray, Ray, Ray. Enough already. 
Charlie calls Lenny and tells him that he'll be Ray, off. Change, all right, Ray, it's enough. Change the channel. <laughs> calls Lenny, tells him he'll be on the, the at the LAX in three hours. However, Ray refuses to fly. And they're rushing to the terminal. And Ray realizes that they're where they're going. He says flying is very dangerous and begins spouting various facts of accidents. Doesn't like the airline, so Ray tries changing. However, when with uh, each airline, Ray's got a different accent that he remembers. Um, all the airlines have crashed except for Quint Quantus, who doesn't fly to L.A. Charlie tries. You got to, you got to, you got to get to Melbourne to catch a Qantas flight to L.A. Because Qantas is an Australian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Charlie you know, Ray keeps talking about needing his boxer shorts. Like we don't have to go to Cincinnati to get boxer shorts, Ray. Charlie tries physically uh, talking to Ray, or tries physically taking him, but Ray has an outburst, smacks his head. Charlie gives in, but man, is he fucking pissed. I can relate, though. I don't fly. I, I just don't I don't like that feeling of not being able to control if, if I'm ever in a situation like a plane crash. Like, I, I want to control my fate, you know, plus there's this whole thing of heights that I'm not a fan of, and just, I don't know, the whole thing of heights and not being in control... I just I don't I don't like flying for that reason. Nah, dude, you you do what I do. You pop two Xanax and drink really heavily before you board the plane, and before you know it, you're in fucking Dallas Fort Worth. <laughs> Why would I be going to Dallas? <laughs> uh, you were supposed fly. to catch that flight. You were supposed to catch that flight to Dallas Fort Worth with me at one point, if you remember. Yeah, I know. I was 11 years ago. I <laughs> doubt he listens anyway. So if you are listening, Joe, shout out, Venker. Um, <laughs> on the road, they approach an accident on the interstate. Ray gets out, holding up traffic. Charlie directs Ray to stay on the side while he moves the car on the orders of the police officer. Ray refuses to drive on the highway because it's very dangerous. So Very dangerous. Yeah, this is, this is a very dangerous highway. He refuses to get in the car, so Charlie's forced to follow Ray to the, uh, the next exit on the shoulder while he's reciting the baseball game out loud. Or that's, yeah, he's reciting who's on first yeah, himself exactly. the whole time he's walking off the on the off ramp. He's he's like, get in the fucking car, Ray. Yeah, I get in the car. So if you're Charlie, at what point do you give up on the whole ordeal, knowing that you've got important business worth a ha- a quarter billion a quarter million dollars on the line? Right, so this is the only thing. So at this point, Ray is nothing but a one point five million dollar paycheck. To Charlie and Charlie's trying to figure out how to come up with this quarter million to save his ass and his business. And this is the only shot he's got at this point. It's the right. fucking zero hour for him. The doomsday clock is at 1159 for Charlie Babbitt <laughs> at this point. Right, right, right. You know, so that's the only thing going through this self-centered yuppie's mind is I cannot let this guy sit on $3 million while he rots away in a, in the booby hatch. Um, I got to get my share of Sanford Babbitt's money out of this. I got my own ass to see. So that's where he's at with this still. Now, you know, this is, you know, at this point in the trip, that's where he's at. So that's what I'm thinking. That's why Charlie reluctantly deals with all this shit because he doesn't have another fucking choice. There's not another you know, hundred, you know, two hundred grand out there, you know, waiting for him to scoop up to save the day. Right. This is it. This is it. Well, Ray is now reminding Charlie of the time. It's nineteen minutes to eleven. You need to go to bed. 
They get to a cheap motel, and the next morning, Ray refuses to drive in the rain, leaving them stuck at the motel all day long. Charlie we calls, don't fly, we don't go out in the rain. tries to get an extension on his loan, but it's denied. Ray tells him it's 12.30, and Wednesday is fish sticks for lunch. So when Charlie finally gets some fish sticks, there's only four. We're supposed to have eight. So Charlie, <laughs> Charlie one just hat. takes the protractor. He just picks up the protractor. Now it's eight. He just cuts them in half. And I've got to ask the obvious question. Do you like fish sticks? <laughs> we had this conversation. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's about the only, it's one of the few forms of seafood that I actually eat is, is fish sticks, crab cakes. You know, so let the record show, gang. Sean likes fish sticks. I'm not playing that South Park joke bullshit, but yes, there's <laughs> some, there's some fucking Gordon's fisherman sticks sitting right in my freezer right now. I can heat some up and eat them on the air for you if you want. You know, that's the only South Park gag that I still laugh at to this day. I'm not. A I South never Park laughed fan. at it to begin with. I, I always thought it was stupid, funny. So, yeah. anyway, Ray's now getting, um, he's getting all the Jeopardy questions right. And free drawing the carpet pattern design correctly, perfectly. Yeah, and you know what I I don't, I don't know that I ever noticed this before, but um, you know the the previous scene he's in there, he's like literally sketching Walbrook from memory. Yeah, that's what I'm like saying. He's there, he's like, yeah, he's, he's free. Yeah, he's he's got, free drawing. Yeah, right. And he's just like literally just sketching, you know, the exterior of Walbrook yeah. and its driveway and stuff, like from pure memory. Free drawing. I actually watched this. Um, Funny enough, there's 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 a really interesting um, YouTube video I watched where it was it was a young man very very similar to Raymond Babbitt's condition, where this kid they took him on a helicopter ride all like the complete like they took him up and just completely like flew over the island of Manhattan, right? Just took him up one time for maybe a half an hour, and the kid draws the entire city of Manhattan from memory. Have you ever seen that video? It's wow. legit. Yeah, the kid is, it's its a young black guy, probably in his late 20s, early 30s. And, you know, he's functional like Raymond. But yeah, this kid had never been in a helicopter before. And they took him up in the air. And he's just like, you know, looking over at the, the skyline of Manhattan. And he just sits down. And it's almost like a big mural that he draws in pencil. Right. And he draws literally the entire city. From one half an hour helicopter ride around the island, it's it's on YouTube somewhere. I've seen it a couple times. It's like we talked about earlier, you know the spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. Definitely is. Um, where are we? At? Okay. So Charlie's on the phone, learning that Bruner never established conservatorship. Raymond. So he sets up a custody date that's firm and early, so he can gain custody of his brother himself. So, what are we to believe happens to Ray if he was granted custody and awarded the money? Do, do, do we think Charlie would actually seriously... What do we think Charlie would seriously do with his brother? I I personally think... I don't think, you know, Charlie would just cash the check and send him back to Walbrook. I do think at this point in his mindset, in his life and Right, at this point of the story, yes. If, if they were if they were to get, if they were to go in front of a judge tomorrow and it goes Charlie's way, I would think that he would put all that money into his own account, put Ray up in a high end facility somewhere in L.A. with the intent to visit him, but 
right. you know, maybe shows up once a year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because he's yeah. still so self-centered on everything. Mm-hmm. That's where I think Charlie would be. I don't think he would straight up just cash the check and hand Ray back to Dr. Bruner. I don't either. I think he would, you know, in his mind, tell himself he's doing the right thing by keeping him close and putting him up, you know, with a respected physician, you know, uh, locally in, in Los Angeles. But I don't think he would give him another peace of mind, you know, outside of like, you know, showing up for Christmas. Right. You know, that's where I think. But this is at this point, this is the Charlie Babbitt, you know, not the same Charlie Babbitt we got at the end. All right, so on the road the next day, Ray tells Charlie about how their father used to let him drive. He says maybe he'll let him drive sometime when Ray suddenly tries taking the wheel, causing the car to swerve. Um, says he doesn't have his underwear. The underwear Charlie gave him is stuffed in his jacket pocket because they're too tight. He wears a size 32, mind you. He lets us know that. He only gets his uh, boxer shorts from the Kmart back in Cincinnati. 400, yeah, Oak 400, Street. Oak Street, yeah, 400 Oak Street. 400 Oak Street. You know what that means. So it's like Ray knows what he's doing, and he's only he's you know intentionally putting Charlie through the ringer here. That's that's the, what Charlie's thinking. No, it's but not he, that Ray no, knows. No, 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 no. That's I'm saying that's you as the viewer also. Like that's what I'm thinking too. It's like it's almost like you're questioning. Like is he actually fucking with Charlie? With the with these coincidences and shit like that. Like I don't know. No, I never got Maybe that, but I got it to where he was, he, I, 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 I took it <coughs> to him. He's cognitive enough to, again, it's, it's like, you know, reading a phone book, numbers and stuff like that. He right away, he knows the address of his local Kmart. So again, that's part of his routine. It's the only place he buys his clothes is 400. I know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not arguing all that. I'm just saying like, it's, it's, it's like, let me put it in better sense. It's almost like in a sense Ray is putting Charlie through the ultimate test for that money. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I don't. I, I know don't he's get not. I, Ray has no. Ray has I know he's no, not. Yeah. I know he's not. I know he's got the. You know he's got. You know he's a savant and he's got this on the spectrum. Like, I mean, I maybe maybe when you're first viewing, you're kind of on the fence about it. You don't you don't know really where how this is going to fall or play out. But even my first viewing, I don't remember feeling that. But I'm not. You know, discount. All right. I'm sure it's, Bad you know, question. Better question. You do a lot of Kmart shopping on your uh, for your underwear back in the uh, days of Kmart shopping. <laughs> Christ, I don't can't tell you the last time I've been to Kmart. Kmart sucks, man. <laughs> All right, there you heard it, folks. Kmart sucks. Always has. Always will. Charlie pulls into a small town square and uses a payphone while Ray gets out of the car and walks away. Charlie notices and frantically searches around for him, eventually finding him waiting to walk again in the middle of the street on a crosswalk. Yeah, he's in the middle of a crosswalk. The sign says walk, and he's halfway through the crosswalk. He's reading it literally as in don't walk. And he just stands there. Right, in the middle of the road. So cars start honking, so he's got to hold his ears at all the honking because of the, you know, the, the sign tells him don't walk. He's doing what the sign says technically, but he's in the middle of the street. So cars are honking. One guy right. tries getting out. Um... You almost suspect he's kind of like, you know, starts swinging or something like that, not knowing with the guy, but like nothing really happens. And, and Charlie the, comes about, in. Yeah, the, the guy gets the out of the truck. The big burly guy in the yeah. truck. Yeah, another, yeah, yeah. another couple of seconds, that guy would have laid, laid knuckles on poor Ray, I think. Yeah. But then Charlie Charlie arrives, saves the day, scoops his brother up. They get out of there. He takes Ray to a local doctor, but the receptionist doesn't understand what autism is. So Charlie has to sort of play charades with him to explain it to her. The doctor says, "Yeah, again, and this, 
that kind of that kind of shows like this one this is a woman that works in the medical industry and she's like you said he's artistic yeah artistic like, right you know so it wasn't part of the lexicon you know in 88 okay not okay. like that, it is today that makes sense the doctor says he's not a psychiatrist and he should just just take certain breaks meanwhile he's still repeating the Kmart address while the doctor starts asking him random math questions all of which Ray immediately answers precisely he then asks him a series of questions, uh, money questions. Spend the dollar, what costs 50 cents? It's not 70 cents, it's 50 cents. It, candy bars don't cost about, $500. Yeah, about, about 70. Yeah. Then yeah asks, how much a candy bar costs, right? Not about $100. How about how much one of those nice new compact cars costs, right? About $100. <laughs> so when asked if he knows like, what, uh, what autism is, he says yes. When asked if he thinks he's autistic, he definitely he says definitely not. What am I supposed to do? There's got to be something that I can do here. Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I do know that his brain doesn't work like other people. And what he does isn't intended to be annoying. If he's getting on your nerves, you just take a break. Spend some time away from him. Sure, I'll just send him back. Sorry? No, it's just it's inside jokes. You're telling me I just have to deal with this stuff. Is that it? I just, uh, I just got to deal with this stuff. Yeah, that's about it. Out of curiosity, does he have any special abilities? Well, I mean, he's got a pretty good memory. He counts toothpicks. Huh? Toothpicks. They spilled a box of toothpicks on the floor, and they took one look at him and knew exactly how many there were, and he counted them seconds. Huh. Ray. Raymond. Yeah? Are you good with numbers? Yeah. I read about this. I'm going to try something here. Kmart 400 Oak Street. What did I tell you after this? Right? After this. Ray, can we try something? Yeah. Do you know how much 312 times... 123 is? 38376. He's right. What? He's right. He's right? Yeah. Ray, how much is 4,343 times 1,243? 535926 He's a genius. That's right. He's a genius. Ray, do you know how much the square root of 2,130 is? 46. Point one five one nine two three zero four two three zero four. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. He should work for NASA or something like that. If you had a dollar and you spent fifty cents, how much money would you have left? About seventy. Seventy cents. Seventy cents. So much for NASA. Kmart. Go go to Kmart. Ray, four hundred Oak Street. Ray, do you know how much a candy bar costs? About a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars, huh? Yeah. You know how much one of those new compact cars costs? About a hundred dollars. In his particular case, he's pretty well off. He's very high functioning. Most autistics, they can't speak and they can't communicate. Ray. Yeah. Do you know what autistic is? Yeah. You know that word? Yeah. Are you autistic? I don't think so. No. Definitely not. And I mean, I know Ray doesn't, but Ray does not. But I believe that Ray knows what autism is, but Ray doesn't believe that he's afflicted with it. You think it's denial? In his, in his little world, he's not even in denial. He's just like, he just doesn't, that doesn't apply to him. He knows mm -hmm. what it is, but that's not me. I'm just, I'm just Raymond Babbitt, and this is my routine. 
All right, so we get Charlie and Ray in another one of those small phone booths. Remember those? Suddenly, Ray yeah. farts. Did you fart, Ray? Did you fucking uh-oh, fart, Ray? Uh oh, fart. Now you know you know that whole thing was completely off script. I I, I did hear that story once. Yes, Dustin, they're filming yeah. that scene. That's a funny ass Dustin story. Hoff, Dustin Hoffman passes gas in the phone booth. Some cruise in character. Says, uh oh, fart. He goes, Did you fart, Ray? Did you fucking fart? <laughs> yeah. That really fucking happened like that. And they kept it in the film. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah, great, dude. Cru- oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Hoffman, Hoffman literally busted ass while they were filming that scene. And he does a break. He's like, uh oh, fart. And Cruz picks right up and plays along. Did you fart, Ray? Did you fucking fart? Oh, that's fucking great. It was totally, totally unscripted. It was Hoffman passing gas and not breaking character. It's my favorite story from the production of this film. (laughs) So Ray starts getting anxious again because the people's court is on in 18 minutes. 18 minutes to Wapner. So they they then go to a small farmhouse where Charlie then pretends to be uh, uh, Nelson's ratings guy to the wife, offering 286 grand per month for them to $286. I checked for $286 a month. Oh, oh, Um, I I knew that didn't sound right. I'm like, why would he give that's a lot of fucking money per month? To, they're trying to get in there to watch to watch to the watch, TV. I know, so I know, trying to pass it off, like, right, right. But it doesn't so, work. So he breaks down and tells us the truth. You act weird. We don't get in. Listen to me. Yeah. I want you to look normal, as normal as possible. All right. Look, just put your Raymond, put your hands down. Chris, go walk and moan. Four minutes. Don't, just to shut walk up, her. Raymond. Just shut up and stand there. Yeah. Uh, Raymond. Don't walk yeah. and moan. Yeah. Put your hands down. Good afternoon, ma'am. I'm Donald Clemens from the E.C. Nielsen Company. You're familiar with our work? Nielsen, uh, you mean the TV radio? Yes, ma'am, that's exactly it. Now, you've been selected as a preliminary candidate to become our next Nielsen family in the Tri-County area. Well, my husband's not If selected, you'll share the responsibility for shaping television programming viewed by our entire nation, in return for which you'll receive a check uh, in, in the amount of $286 each month. Who's he? That 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 would be my partner, Mr. Bainbridge, who does the sample. That's it. Oh boy. That's it. You blew it. You don't get to see your program. It's finished. One minute to Wapner. One minute to Wapner. One minute to Wapner. One minute to Wapner. I had you in there, Ray. You were in there. You had it all. They are in there making legal history, Ray. Legal history. Oh boy. What is going on out here? I'm sorry, ma'am. I like Tobia. I'm very sorry about that. That man right there is my brother. And if he doesn't get to watch people's corn in about 30 seconds, he's going to throw a fit right here in your porch. And you can help me, or you can stay. Stand there and watch it happen. Well, we like to watch cartoons. You think he'd settle for that? And she sees an identical twin. True, he didn't have a shirt on. The other one did. But they sure look alike to me. If it got on his chest, he would have been burned. He's like... I almost no, I, I like their discussion on the porch because Charlie's like we were I had you in there Ray I had you in there and you messed it up they're in there right now making legal history <laughs> and you're gonna miss it. <laughs> and he's like if you don't let him in in about thirty seconds you're gonna be see you're gonna see like the worst breakdown ever or something. Like <laughs> he's that. gonna have yeah, this is my brother he wants to watch people's court if you don't let him in in about thirty seconds to watch it he's gonna have a meltdown on your porch. So we cut to the family. Plus, Charlie and Raymond watching people's court together in the living room. Welcome back to the podcast, Beth Grant. 
This is like the third time we've mentioned her in the last handful of months. She was on No Country for All Men, obviously, mm-hmm. and also um, Crazy Heart. Beverly, I don't know from no, she wasn't Beverly. Yeah, just, Wait, yeah, she was. She Beverly. was Beverly. That's right. Hey. I don't know for Beverly. I don't know for Beverly. All right, so would you let a man? Beating his head over and over on the front porch, repeating himself into your home with your family to watch Wapner. I mean, of course not. But we just gotta, you know, it's it's a it's a great we gotta movie let movie film. that be the be movie. We, yeah, we've yeah, even even this film gets a pass for movie gonna movie on this one. Um, yeah, it's 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 semi believable, but not a hundred percent. Like maybe the woman does have a heart. You know, and she none of that shit's believable. Stop, stop talking yourself into it. (laughs) You know, it's not. So, we're at the uh, Big Eights Motel where Charlie's credit cards decline, so he's got to check in with a 20. Ray begins doing his baseball thing, which irritates Charlie, so he starts questioning him and sort of making fun of him for it. Is Charlie really uh, okay? I asked this question already. So, this this is when I was going to ask about the autism thing. So, this is where we learn that Raymond's the Rain Man from earlier. Hey, remember that doctor asked you those questions today, the number questions? Yeah. How did you do that? I see it. Huh? I see it. What's that? Will you stop that for a second? I see it. Raymond, just put that down, will you? What's the I'm trying to talk to you. Look, when, you, when I say stop it, why don't you stop it? Why do you always have to act like an idiot? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You think that's funny? Yeah, huh? funny rain, yeah, funny teeth. What'd you say? Funny teeth. What'd you rinse? Why'd you say? Why'd you say funny teeth? You what? said funny teeth, funny rain man. Rain man. Yeah. I said rain man. Yeah, funny rain man. Was I trying to say Raymond and it came out rain man? Yeah, funny rain man. You? You're the rain man. Six one Beach Crest Street, Cincinnati, Ohio. When, uh, when, when did, when did you leave? January twenty first, nineteen sixty five. You, you remember that? It's Thursday. Very snowy out. Seven point two inches of snow that day. Yes, that's just after Mom died. New Year's. Yeah, yeah Mom died. January fifth, nineteen sixty five. And you remember after. that day? You remember that day that you left? Short, short and sudden illness. You remember that day? Yeah. That you left? Was I there? Where was I? Where were you? were in the window. You, you waved to me. Bye bye, Rain Man. Bye bye, Rain Man. So you, you, you were the one that sang to me. Yeah. What, 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 what did you sing? What, what, what was that song? What did you sing? What? She was just seventeen. And you know what I mean And the way she looked was way beyond compare So how could I dance with another Ooh, I saw her stand 
Yeah, and this is uh, that's such a such a you know this is another one of those. This is the big scene. Cruise, this is the big powerhouse scene between Cruz and Hoffman. Cruz got nominated. He's like he's like and 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 it's it's I don't know if you if you picked up on this, but obviously you know during their conversation and and Charlie's you know uh, Ray's like funny Rain Man, yeah 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 bye uh, bye bye Rain Man. You know, and he goes and he goes into his things and he brings out that photo of them when they were kids. Right. So Ray, Ray has known the whole time. Ray has known the whole time that Charlie, that, that this is little Charlie Babbitt, his younger right. brother. Again. But he's incapable. Right. Yeah. You know, because right away he goes and gets the photo and, you know, he kind of helps Cruz put it together. So the fact that A, he's carrying that photo, B, he goes and gets it right away when they're, when they're talking about, you know, well, about the Rain Man. He remembers like, all the details, the date, remembers him waving bye bye Rain Man, bye bye. And then they start like, singing you were, together. You were the one, you were the one that used to sing to me, Ray? What was that song you used to sing? Oh, wish he was just 17. If you, yeah, they start singing right. the Beatles song. Yeah, it's, I, Christ, I fucking, every time. It's a heavy that scene. bathroom scene. It's a heavy scene. I, 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 I fucking tear up like a goddamn schoolgirl. But then the, like today. the bath that he's running is steaming hot, which causes Raymond to flip out in a horrifying scene that really, it's hard to watch for those few seconds. What's scary? What's scary? I want from baby. ハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビーハワーバンベイビー
Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile I Ray's... You were saying? I was saying, meanwhile, Ray, Ray's, rather than watch his TV, he's watching the laundry, and he's like, the red one always falls the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he notices that that the way these clothes are tossing around, that those, the red pair of shorts or whatever always fall the same. I wanted to uh, talk about Cruz's echoing son of a bitch that ends this scene. Screams it out in the desert, and then we get the second, like almost like it's a voiceover echo in the next shot as we're driving away. I don't think that second, I don't think the echo was necessary, but it's just the, you know, it's, it's just the, the it for me. Hollywood way of just adding to the intensity. I don't know. Yeah. It worked for me a little bit. Because now, I mean, the shit has finally hit the fan for poor Charlie Babbitt. Yeah. Like he's, Literally, he's at the. We he's now at the end of his rope. Yep. Yeah. There's no more threads to grab. Yep. So at the convenience store, we learn Ray won't let Charlie put the uh, top up. So Charlie puts lotion on his face instead, much to his chagrin. And then they're driving down the Vegas Strip, but Ray's on the TV. Watch. He's fixated on the on the baseball game, on the uh, Watchmen. Something about this scene just screams disappointment. Um. Yeah, I mean, they, and they drive, at this point, they drive all the way through Vegas. They're just trying to get, Charlie's just trying to get back to LA. Yeah. You know, because he's trying to make, at least, you know, if nothing else, all right, the business went tits up. Um, let me at it's, least make the court date that my attorney set up for this conservative. It's, it's just somber and quiet. The two aren't talking. Like I say, mm-hmm. Raymond's watching his TV and Charlie's just and driving down the street. And, and like you said, like you said, it's Zimmer's score, that whole, I guess, and it's a pan flute. Yeah, you know that do it is do 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 do. You know he uses it uses it for true romance also. Yeah, yeah, and that what he's what he does in true romance is he basically repurposes the score yeah. from Terrence Malick's Badlands. Uh-huh. I'm sure you knew. That, I did. Right? I did. Yeah, it's like slightly different, but it's pretty much the Badlands theme. So the two, they're at a uh, country roadside diner. Ray's playing with the jukebox selections and chooses J7. Ray also happens to know the selections by heart. No, he doesn't. He he doesn't choose J7. He just hears what's on the what's coming through the radio. He just says J7. Oh, okay, okay. He doesn't choose anything. He doesn't. Who says it? He says J7. So that's why. Yeah, because he he hears it it coming over the radio. No, no, no. They're sitting there waiting for their food, and Ray's fucking around with a little... And, he, the and then he starts testing yeah. them on all the other entries, and he's getting them all right. And then he remembers the... He also remembers the number of toothpicks from days prior. The, yeah, he's like, how'd you, know many, how'd you know many toothpicks were in that box, Ray? <laughs> so, this is the scene where... I've mentioned this before. I, I Watching this scene again, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely had Rain Man as a previous uh, weekly recommend. And I remember talking about this scene because, like, the awkwardness with Tom Cruise and the goddamn cigarette. That's what I'm fixated on as I'm watching this scene. Just the way he just, like, he's an obvious not smoker because it's like it's awkward. He's playing with it more than he's actually smoking. And I don't know. It's just weird. That's because L. Ron Hubbard told him no. Well, remember when you could smoke in the diner? Remember, I remember do. those days? You could back then. Yeah, I know. You could back then. Smoking or not smoking. A question no one ever hears anymore. 
So a light bulb goes off in Charlie's head, takes his brother back to Vegas for some blackjack using Ray's ability to remember cards. On the way, well, what's uh, right right before that? They're outside the diner, and, and Charlie just keeps throwing all kinds of cards on the on the trunk, and then he asks Ray what he's got left, and you know, basically holding them in his hand, and Ray spouts them all off. He's like two jacks, one king, one queen, one six. What I what I didn't notice till today mm-hmm. is a quick cutaway shot right before the whole jukebox thing where they show um, somebody paying for their meal at the register. And right in front of the cash register, there's stacks of playing cards that they sell right there at the diner. Gotcha. Okay. Doesn't mean much of anything, but, like, it does mean right. that, like, on the way out, you know, Cruz exactly. you know, or, or Charlie just want to look down. Where they came from. Grab the cards. He's like, I got something. And, boom, and sure enough, Ray can count the fucking cards. So Charlie's got to explain the house rules. And the cardinal sin is to never reveal he's counting cards. If he gets this right, he can drive wherever he wants as slow as he wants. <laughs> he's going to let you drive wherever you want as slow as you want. And then we get a Vegas montage. They enter a trailer after Charlie gets money at a pawn shop for his Rolex. Then they come out of the trailer to that iconic shot of them on the escalator going down, dressed to the nine. Oh man, I love them. I, I I like I actually like the the bit right when they first get there, and they get on the little people mover. Yeah, and if Ray starts to walk, he realizes yeah, he's moving, yeah, so yes, he turns yes. around, he goes <laughs> to walk off, and then Charlie just spins him. Yeah, and he stands still. Like all Charlie does is just spin him around, and he just stands still. <laughs> and then they, then they go up and get fitted for their suits, and yeah, then they come down. The escalator. I'll tell you what, though. We get some yeah. really great shots of Vegas from a better time in this, this sequence uh, yeah. here. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, man. But that shot of them, like, descending from the escalator, because you're watching them. And I remember seeing this in the theater, and I only regret, you know, I wish they wouldn't have given that shot away in the trailer, because to have that revealed in the moment during the film... I'm just like, because you're watching the escalator, and then all of a sudden their feet come into view, and eventually you're watching them fill the screen as they descend from this escalator. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, dude, you and I should get a couple of gray suits this Halloween and go as Ray and Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be against that, honestly. So I'm down with it, dude. People would get it. So I guess now's a good I'll, time I'll to uh, bring up the hangover. Since you know, it pretty much makes them. Well, did yeah, a mockery of this and everything that we're about to talk about. That was on purpose. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, as hands down, I mean, it was when you talk. There's yeah, there's been plenty of films shot in Vegas, plenty of films set in Vegas, but that was one of your most memorable scenes set in a casino, and it has nothing to do with gambling or neon or nothing, but it's just seeing these two guys like looking like gangbusters. Like they're coming over to take over that casino floor. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder how many people knew that Todd Phillips' The Hangover was, you know, a play on Rain Man when they first saw that. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I obviously. I know we did. I, we I, did. I would, but I would hope anybody of our age. made so much money that, like, a lot of people might have been exposed to this film for the first time thanks to that movie because. True. It's funny. It's funny too. Cause I even, I mean, cause Mandy sat here and watched this with me today. And I even, I even, hey, real quick, uh, before you go, before you, before you say anything else, I just want to uh, make a note that, like, I, for the record, I, I'm not against the hangover at all. I love the hangover. Oh, no, hands down. I'm even a big fan of part two. Fuck that third noise. But yeah, go on. 
I never, I never did bother uh, bother with the third one. Um, no, while we while Mandy and I were sitting here watching this today, um, as they're as they're coming back into Vegas, I actually quoted that. I, I looked at him like, you know, it's not illegal to count cards in Vegas. It's just frowned the upon. Point, right. It's like like masturbating on an airplane. <laughs> right. I forgot all about that line. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I actually said that to her today. Well, I gotta go we're back watching and that. I haven't seen it in years. Definitely. That's yeah. The first one is it, it was it it, it was a, there was a reason it was the most successful comedy ever made at the time. Uh-huh. That movie was legitimately fun. Oh yeah. So they they eventually get to the blackjack table at Caesar's Palace. Notice the dealer. I I I couldn't place him. Who is he? It's Nick Nazola. He was an actual dealer. But he was also in a lot of movies that were set in Vegas. Uh, this casino. He was the guy that Pesci was calling like a fat ass and like calling names when he was drunk and towards the end throwing the cards back in his face. And ah, they okay. got to call you know De Niro back down to from his house. Overnight. Yeah, yeah, I know the I know the scene. Like, you know what you about. look like. Yeah. You, yeah, it's that guy. And he was also in um. Yeah. A, a, a bit moment in Vegas Vacation, of course. He's pretty much been in every big Vegas casino scene. Uh, he's unfortunately no longer with us. He passed away in September 99. But uh, yeah, that's 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 him in this moment here. So I would imagine this was probably the guy's first bit of screen. Yeah, yeah, it is movie. more or less. Uh, I want to discuss this scene and just for myself being a casual poker fan, especially... I haven't played poker in a while, but I used to be a huge, you know, hold'em player. Um, and sometimes I'll, you know, casually go to a casino and even play some blackjack, throw around some cards that way. Um, film is definitely really, really realistic. They can, de- I could definitely tell from the standpoint that they, especially Levinson and whoever else was involved, um, all parties, I should, say, I should say, did a good job of just doing their homework, you know. Um, everything from the handling to just the execution of it overall. Um, and yeah, with the with, with the pit bosses like God and I, the only got huge stack. The only chips. thing that doesn't really happen, and that's a big Hollywood cliche, is like having like a big crowded table with like just a lot of bunch of onlookers and stuff. Yeah, suddenly, that doesn't really I, I happen. I thought that too. No, I'm like they got they're, they're more interested in winning their own money. I mean, maybe it did 34 years ago, but it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> I can say, or at least I've never seen it happen. Um, but and probably not the head of security sitting at a table undercover trying to, you know, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I doubt that happened. They would they leave that more to the pit boss and the eye in the sky. They're not out there playing detective. Exactly, exactly. That's just them trying to add suspense to the scene. So it's, eh, it's just, so you know, it definitely it definitely heightens the drama. Do you notice this guy that we're talking that you brought up? I, I I I know I I know who it is. I can't, Ray Baker. I, I can't think of his name. Okay, but where have I seen him before? Total Recall. In the beginning, when Schwarzenegger goes to Recall, he's the the doctor that Schwarzenegger talks to. Okay, who, who okay. Talk, who's like the, the salesperson for Recall? I guess you can call him. He was uh, well, what else? The mayor in the movie Hard Rain. He was this obviously. I only saw that piece of shit once. Um, oh, what new episode next month for it? You don't want to do that one. Fucking hard rain. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll turn. I'll turn you around, just like I did with Long Kiss. I never praised hard that? rain. I just asked if you wanted to do an episode <laughs> on it. No. I saw it in the theater. <laughs> you would. Um, and he was in Chud, the original. So, 
But yeah, okay. doesn't really hasn't really done much yeah, anymore. He was, he was he was he was a character actor, you know, like, back in he the day. Peaked like, I between this him. and Total Recall, a year later, he peaked there uh, between or two years later rather, he peaked at that moment. So yeah. Anyway, uh, security calls for the eye in the sky. We see no wrongdoings, but something's not right. So Ray suddenly catches the attention of the roulette wheel, leaves the table where Char- while Charlie is red hot. Ray says twenty, definitely twenty. So Charlie goes, walks over and puts three grand on it. However, does not hit. It's not your game, Ray. It's not your game. So Charlie catches in and he makes 86 grand, which Charlie immediately spends in his head. Uh, he leaves and Iris comes to the table and talks to Raymond. Just talk. Charlie immediately wants to pull him away, but eventually allows him to stay and stays around. He's like, this will be interesting. Yeah, this will be interesting. I'll be right over here, right? Hey. You looking for a date? Are you? I don't know. What's your name? Raymond. My name is Iris. Raymond, you like me? I, I don't know. You don't know? Well, I think if you gave me a chance, you would. Why don't we try to get to know each other? Hmm? Yeah, get to know each other. He doesn't have any money, honey. Well, that's all right, sugar, because we are just talking. Yeah, we're just talking. Let's go upstairs, Ray. What are you doing, man? Getting getting to know each other. Uh Uh-huh. Just talking. What room? I'll bring him up. That's all right. Is that what you want to do? You want to stay here and get to know each other, Ray? Yeah, get get to know each other, just talking. This will be interesting. Yeah. I'll be over here just in case. Yeah. He doesn't seem to like me. Who is he? he? He's my brother. I'm living in his room. He seems young to be your brother. He, he was born August 12, 19, 1962. It was a Sunday. What exactly do you guys do here? We're counting cards. You're counting cards? We're counting cards. Uh-huh. We're counting cards. What else do you do? We're counting cards. I know that you're counting cards. What else do you do? Are you taking any prescription medication? <laughs> Whoa. Look, I'm out of here. Of course, what time is the date? Later. What time is the date? It's 10 o'clock. Because I have to be in bed at 11. Lights out at 11. 10 o'clock, daylight saving time. 10 o'clock, daylight saving. 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock, daylight saving time. You like her, You think she's pretty? Yeah. I, she's very sparkly. Definitely. Very sparkly. Very sparkly. So he tells her that they're counting cards and annoys her. It's like the fucking cardinal rule. Don't reveal your counting cards. What's the first thing Ray says? We're counting cards. Like, We're counting cards. Yeah, he, he annoys her with his antics, so she dips out. Um because he wants to go. They, it's, it's he plans obvious. to meet it's her. They, she's a high end call girl. He has to go That's, on a date I mean, at ten o'clock. She you know, she suggests going on a date at ten o'clock and uh well, no, she she's storming out. He goes, "Well, what time's the date?" And she don't even turn around. She's like, oh, 10 o'clock." Yeah. Like she had, no, she wasn't gonna meet up. With so him. Iris is played by Lucinda Jenny. You know who she is. Uh the name sounds familiar, but I didn't recognize her from the from from this same year or a year before. Whenever she was in um, Jaws: The Revenge, she played the uh the 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 what the, the, the what the hell is it? Daughter-in-law of the um, Lorraine character Lorraine um Lorraine Gary character yeah her character all right so uh, d- g- give me 90 seconds on Jaws of Revenge because I've got a fucking hard on for every scene what he ever did for that fucking movie 
Um, what do you want to know? I haven't seen Jaws: The Revenge in so long, so long. And let's so get, and you should keep it that way. I, I have no intentions. Way. They fucking shark roars. Mario Van, he roars. Mario Mario Van Peebles doing a shitty fucking career. I am to believe a shark purposely swims from Massachusetts all the way down to Jamaica because of and that Grady's wife. Because he's got a, it's got a vengeance against Sheriff Brody's wife. Not only that, but the shark beats her to the Bahamas. She took a flight. So rather than get on a plane, she could have saved time by riding a shark. Bro, why are we talking fucking, about Jaws to Revenge on an episode of Rain You Man? brought it up and that I was know, the beef I, know, I wanted I to make. It's like it makes but no sense. I don't know. A, does it roar? B, it's got a personal vendetta against Brody's wife and see it's able to make the trip from fucking Connecticut to the Bahamas in less time than a fucking airplane. And she was also um, the wife in the Stephen King's thinner. Um, what's his face? The, the guy from the cousin from Rescue Me. Got from Rescue Me. Yeah, yeah his wife in that film. And uh, she's also currently Mrs. Bill Mosley. Oh, she married to Bill Mosley? Yeah, she was the hunter's wife in Three from Hell who gets her face skinned. Was that her? Yeah, that's his wife. That's her. That's, that's Lucinda Jenny. But they're really married. I had no clue that the two of them were married. Yep. So, yeah, very cool. They get to their comp's high roller suite, and Charlie sincerely apologizes for his attitude earlier. Raymond says he's got to go meet Iris, be at the bar by 10 o'clock. They're going to go dancing. So Charlie asks if he knows how to dance and shows him how to dance himself. However, when they're done, Charlie tries hugging Ray, but Raymond still rejects him. Yeah. When you, you start, you feel like they're starting to get close because you know he's right. letting him. He was testing the water, touch here. him, and get really close with him. And even Charlie's like, "I just felt like giving you a hug, Ray." So, when's the last you know, time you so ever like slow dance with someone? Probably with Mandy at like a wedding. Uh, yeah, would it, yeah, the, the last wedding me and Mandy went to, um, just before COVID. I honest to God, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in slow dance with. With anybody outside of Mandy and my mother in the last fucking ten years, so I honestly got to tell you who I've who, the last time I slow dance if anybody honestly, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> ask my old lady or your friends at mom on Facebook. Send her a message. I'd, I'd slow dance with her and Mandy. They're the only two women I've ever <laughs> slow danced with in the last decade. All right, we'll do. So Susanna shows up saying she's unemployed. I don't remember them confirming that the business closed down. The last time the business was mentioned, it was kind of like warned of what could happen, but I didn't. Well, no, unless no, I missed something like between they, those two moments, like did they say right, that he lost right, the business right before the? Yeah, well, it's right, right before the whole echo scene when Ray's in the in in, in the laundromat and Charlie's on the phone with. But Lenny. I know that, but that's what, I'm, that's like, what I'm alluding to because he says, "You know what could happen to my business?" Not. No, they 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 took the what now that they, now that they've taken the cars as collateral on the loan, he's still on the hook for the eighty grand worth of deposits. So, yeah, that's it. His business is done. Once once the collateral, which was these Lamborghinis and European imports, was repoed um, or taken back by you know the creditor, right. that was it. There was no more business. So that's when I figured the business was. That's why he's cussing out, cussing himself out in the desert. Mm-hmm. Is because his whole business was fucking done at that point. Okay. So Ray mentions his date 
So they take Raymond down to meet someone who wasn't going to be there. Mini TV in tow. When someone from security pulls Charlie aside and directs him to an office where Secura Baker is someone... Where Secura Baker and some other men mention the tapes that they've analyzed that tell them to advise him to leave Vegas without the money. So cut to Susanna and Ray. Or no, they, no they, they tell him, like, you, you just take your money and leave the state. Like, you know, we've got you now. We can't take that money back, but we're not going to let you gamble. Oh, I thought he had to return it. More. I, I, I no, no, he was able to. They, 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 yeah, he, he gave him the. He's like, you know, your best option is take the money, leave the state, Ooh, and that means you're now blacklisted. Right Ooh, now, um, I, I, I guess it's it, it's 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 a bit of a gray line here when it comes to especially playing blackjack out of all games at a casino. I mean, if you're doing it in your head. Okay, it's not and illegal. You're not signaling somebody else. It's not illegal. How is it's all? You're 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 just basically you're a human calculator who's able to calculate the odds better than the guys who created the game. So why would the but again? It's a lot. The mob more don't want you now. fucking with their money. Count carding, card counting is a lot more common now. It's not illegal in casinos. It's just frowned upon. But there's nothing illegal about it. You yeah, I mean, you're able you're, to if, do it. Yeah. But yeah, if you're, if like you're not it, bringing in like is. extra, like like that whole, you know, little toe, shoe computer that they use in casino and stuff, that yeah, okay, obviously, yeah, that's of course. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're going to get but, you're going to get the Sam Rothstein treatment, throw you in the back, and you know, break your fucking hand. Right, but if you, but if but if you have the mental capacity to sit there and count a six deck shoot and calculate the, your your own odds in a matter of seconds before the dealer lays down the next card, then that means you're just playing the game to the best of your ability. You're right. not breaking the game's rules. But, you know, obviously, these casinos are mob-funded, and mob don't want you walking away with a couple hundred grand of their money right? if you ain't just some average schlub getting drunk and losing. So we've got Susanna and Ray in the elevator going back to the room after Iris doesn't show. So she stops the elevator and asks them to show her how he danced with Iris. So they dance. And Iris missed a beautiful dance. She says that the, Iris missed a beautiful dance and then asks if he's ever kissed a girl. She tells him to open up his mouth. like He's going to taste something very soft and very good. She tells him to, to close his eyes and then she kisses him. And she asks how that was and he says wet. Wet. Yeah, so wet. are we sure this seems appropriate? I, it's, I think it's innocent. I really do. I think it's innocent. I've always been on the fence. It's not like she's attracted to her. Yeah. It's not like she's attracted to Ray, but it's it's a soft, quiet, innocent moment with Ray and, you know, a female that is you know, at least somewhat compassionate about him and right. his condition and the predicament that his brothers put him in. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a very, it's a sweet moment between the two. You know, I, so I wouldn't say there's anything inappropriate. Okay. No, I think it's just, you know, cause like this is for, for all intents and purposes, this, this movie is really aside from being Charlie Babbitt kind of like going through his own character arc, you know, and shedding who he used to be. It's also about Ray experiencing the world. Ray isn't there anything but fucking Walbrook and the mansion, you know, in Cincinnati. Yeah. So, you know, this poor guy, and at this point, you would figure, how old do you figure Ray is? Probably early 50s? 
right? I didn't do the math with when they, they, they mentioned, you know, when he was born and Charlie was born. Um, I'm, I'm figuring, you know, Ray's character is probably the late forties, early fifties at this point. And the guy's sure. you know, I never thought about due to his age. condition. Yeah. Yeah. He's easily probably 15 based on that photo of the two of them, you know, we already talked about. I'm going to say he's 15, you know, 15, 16 years older than Charlie. I want to say they tell us in the film, but I just don't remember. They, they mentioned the year, but they don't, but you know, I didn't stop to do the yeah. math, but yeah, you got to, you know, this poor guy, can you imagine going 50 years without never kissing a girl or slow dancing? That'd be a special you moment. You don't know what kissing life. is really. So he's not like he's missing anything. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to experience it for himself. Well, he did. And it was wet. God bless him. And it was wet. So next day, Charlie tells, or he lets Ray drive the car. So he does while rubbing the curb. And then they return to LA and they drop off Susanna first, who thanks Ray for the night before, saying it's between us. He then takes Ray back to his place and the two bid over. They they bind over, um, they bond, I'm sorry, uh, over cheese balls and old black and white baseball comedies and up you tell me it's Abbott and Costello well it's but yeah what it, what it is is like he's, he's like you like this place Ray this is my place I'd stop by the video store I got you a video and then it cuts and I'm sitting there and they're watching you know the, the classic who's on first bet from that 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 actually aired on television I want to say 19 uh the one that the one that they they're watching um, was I want to say 51, 52. They have been doing the bit since the late 40s, mm-hmm. but that actually aired in the early 50s. And what I loved is how Charlie's eating his cheese balls with a toothpick. Yeah. 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 I like it's just like Charlie's eating his, he's sitting there with Ray. Like it's such a great moment where, you know, Charlie, you know, the, the old Charlie Babbitt is being shed and he now, you know, he wants to be, he wants to be his brother's keeper. You know, and yet the fact that he's there eating cheese balls with the toothpick was just a, a very subtle touch, but it's such a sweet touch to me yeah. that he's sitting there and you know, sticking his toothpick in the bag. And I'm going to start eating my cheese balls with a toothpick. <laughs> so Charlie meets a Bruner who offers him a quarter of a million dollars to walk away from Raymond. He says he doesn't have to give him the money, but he... uh he doesn't have to give him the money, but he can lose Raymond. So he hands him the check, and Charlie refuses. He says that he is no longer upset about being cut out of his father's will, but he wants to have a relationship right. with his brother instead. Yep, yep. This is this is that moment. This is yeah. The, this is that turnaround. It's, it's yeah, Charlie. The you know self-centered, egotistical Charlie Babbitt has been shed and redeemed. Because let's face it. Let's face it. He's got eighty some odd grand from the casino, another quarter million. So he's got three hundred grand in nineteen eighty eight. That's more mm-hmm. than enough to make good on all his creditors and get back up on his feet again. Now it's the fucking uh, you know for the first what two hours as the principal was the money. Now that's not the principal for Charlie anymore, and that made me cry again. That little moment made me cry. So Ray tries making egos, but the toaster oven burns them. Smoke sets off the detector, causing Raymond to go into a panic until Charlie breaks it and helps him calm down. Yeah, and I, I just made a note here. Smoke detector scene. Wow. Because it's all Ray's trying to do is like fix himself his breakfast. Charlie's asleep. 
Um, one thing, did you notice how like the kitchen counter is covered in all of Ray's favorite snacks? Well, yeah, my, like, my, my one note that I wrote down here says that sip up that Ray grabs looks delicious. And then I said, where's, I wonder where Sean's at on sip ups. Is sip ups a Baltimore thing or would they call that elsewhere too? Sip ups? Is that like the Mott's juice boxes? Yeah, like a juice box. We call them sip I've always called them sip ups. Yeah, you're talking about the little, the, the little wax line cardboard box you poke a straw in, right? Yeah, right. Like like yeah, I, I like them better. Like I like them like, better when they got booze. Even in like them. high C cool, high C ecto cooler and shit like that. Like oh, I call that sip up. Yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to take them. I used to take them for lunch. I, did, I didn't Christ, know I, if like know, the, the term sip up was a Baltimore thing or if they're all called that elsewhere. Like it, nah, it was like a juice box to me, but still. Now what? I, but what? What I was mentioning is is like during that scene, while Ray once Ray turns a toaster oven on, he starts going through the kitchen. He sees Charlie bought him some fresh maple syrup, but on the counter is like easily like five bags of cheese balls, five bags yes. of rolled uh, gold. Shit, like Charlie's, bags. Charlie's made. Yeah, Charlie's made sure that all of Ray's favorite snacks. Are there, are, you know, right. They're, they're just all right there. They're there for Ray to have whenever he wants. All right. And I thought that was sweet. Too. So I mean, Charlie went out of his way. At a meeting with a quarter pointed psychiatrist, Raymond points or Raymond proves unable to decide for himself what he wants after a series of questions. Questions like what he did, where it's revealed he counted cards, danced and kissed Susanna. He also admits he could drive slow in the driveway and had a couple of outbursts. The latest being that morning after a smoke alarm went off. The man questioning mentions how it originally started as a kidnapping, but there's no accusations being thrown. And Charlie tells him that this morning they had pancakes, and he made a connection. The man asks another series who's, of questions. Now, who's 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 playing the court appointed psychiatrist? It's 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 a director. I don't know who though. It's Barry it Levinson. Is, okay, that is Levinson. Okay. It's Levinson. Okay. Yeah, it's Levinson. So the man asks another series of questions, like if he wants to stay with his brother. He says he does. The man waits and then asks if he wants to go back to the Institute. He says yes right away. He says yes to both, even though he can only choose one. He goes back and forth, and there's a ton of commotion when Charlie drops the questioning and tells Raymond that he is happy to have him as his brother. Now, I must tell you that Dr. Bruner is a very respected professional. Raymond's case has been meticulously documented over the years, and of course, Walbrook is one of the finest institutions we have in this country. Well, you guys have already made up your mind. I'll see you in court, huh? Hey, son, no one's around to be brother here. came further with me in a week than he did with you in 20 years, and that's the truth. I don't think it's You're necessary to You don't know anything about us. I don't think it's necessary to challenge Dr. Bruner. I'm sorry. All right? Now, exactly on. what happened this past week, Raymond? Well, we, we got was, to know each other. I was asking other. Raymond. Raymond, what happened this past week? What did you do, Raymond? Count of cards. County cars? County cars in Las Vegas. Brother took you to Las Vegas? $3,000 in Wheel of Fortune. Gave you $3,000 to gamble with? Lost, lost $3,000 in pitiful, pitiful 20. Uh -huh. And what else did you do? Get a number 20. What else did you do? Dance with Charlie Babbitt. Dance with your brother? You want to learn how to dance? So I dance in the elevator dance. with Susanna. Kiss Susanna. Kiss Susanna? Yeah, in the elevator. Do you enjoy kissing a woman? I don't know. How did it feel? It felt wet. Wet? Yeah. <laughs> Quite a trip, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you enjoy being on the road? I'm an excellent driver. You drove? Yeah. Brother let you drive on the highway, the interstate? Yeah, slow on the driveway. He didn't drive on the highway. Uh-huh. Hmm. Did he have any emotional outbursts this past week? What do you mean? Well, the things they tend to do when 
inflict, you know, bodily harm on themselves. Okay, huh? yeah, a couple of times. A couple of times? Okay, he had what you call an outburst at the airport because he didn't want to fly, so we didn't fly. Uh-huh, and when was the last outburst that he had? This morning, I mean, this... This morning? I, I, I mean, this is bullshit because I can huh? tell you, I, I can tell you anything, I can tell you nothing, and you, you, you'd never know the difference. Well, I don't... I mean, this morning, the smoke alarm went off, and he mm -hmm. got a little nervous, but he's fine. We well, no, don't, uh, don't feel as I'm placing any blame. When we, went, we went out okay. to Pankin. All right, so, I, yeah. I, I, look, yeah. I don't yeah. think you have to be defensive about that. I'm not challenging you. I'm just being honest with you. I think you're missing the point. I think you're missing the point. I'm being truthful about this. The point I was trying to make is I'm not placing any blame and I am not saying I had a father I hardly knew, a mother I didn't know at all. I found out a few days ago that I have a brother and I want to be with him and I'm supposed to give him up. No one is saying anything and there's no need to be that emotional I didn't hurt him. He's not hurting me. We're not hurting you. Now, why are you interfering? This is my family. Not interfering. This is my family. Do you understand that? I understand that. Yes, you do have a brother, but the point is he's not capable of having a relationship with you. It's your opinion. Did you spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with him? Have you ever done that? Look, you cannot take on the responsibility of your brother without professional guidance. That's your opinion, Dr. Bruner. Yes, it's my opinion. There's a couple of things I'd like to go over in this file. Dr. Bruner states a week ago you stole Raymond out of the institution and you're willing to trade him for one and a half million dollars. Is that correct? My father died. I was upset. Okay, I, okay. That was wrong. So last week you were upset and then this week you suddenly found some devotion to your brother and you want to take care of him for the rest of your life. Yes. Uh -huh. So in the beginning, it was like a kidnapping. I, kidnapping, that's very strong. I, I, I didn't kidnap my brother. But in the you course know, of the we, week, you came to have an understanding with him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Look, that... Yes? When we, when we, I understand that this sounds irrational to you. Yes, when, when it started out, it, 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 it well, had don't, don't that... Don't feel compelled to be defensive about that. Can I talk? I mean, yes, I, you I'd can. I'd like to talk. Yes, you can. Thank you. There's no accusations. Go ahead. No accusations. And as Raymond and Bruner are about to board a train at the train station to return to the institute. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right right before the train station, yes. um, Dr. Bruner and Levinson's character leave the room. And there's a sweet little moment that I think, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think it would have swayed the doctors and opinions to, you know, to side with Charlie. But had they have seen how Charlie was able to rub Ray's back to calm him down, you know, without Ray freaking out, you right. know, Charlie, Charlie's obviously touching him. He's rubbing his back to, you know, kind of appease him. And then Charlie, I mean, uh, Ray leans in and rests his forehead against Charlie's and Charlie even kisses Ray on the forehead when he stands up. Had those doctors have seen that, I don't know if they would have had a full change of heart. But I think maybe they would have tried to find a little bit more of a middle ground. Like, you know what? Maybe these two being in proximity would be good for each other. You know what I mean? But yeah, they didn't witness but, any of yeah. it. They they let they left the room and there's a sweet moment between Ray and Charlie yeah. where Ray doesn't have his outburst. Yeah. And I, it's just it's just their moment. I agree with all that, but I don't see it. Moment. Making a like a difference to no, I don't. It's, I don't see like that being ups, like okay, you here's know? your three million dollars. Go ahead, yeah, and, right. you know, Let him move in with you. But All I do think they would have. Are... They they would have, you know, kind of found a. You know, I think they would have lightened up a little bit and maybe tried to find a more comfortable median had they have witnessed that. But they don't. Well, as Raymond and Bruner are boarding a train to return to the institute with Ray and his favorite Kmart clothes. Tell him, Ray, Kmart like, Ray, sucks. Ray, wouldn't you be more comfortable in your Kmart clothes? Tell him, Ray, Kmart sucks. 
<laughs> so Charlie promises to visit in two weeks as the film fades to black. Bye. I guess I better give this to you. Okay, you're gonna have to carry this now. It's, it's got your cheese balls on it, your apple juice, notebooks, pens, and who's on first video that, that, you, that, that you like? Who's on first? Very funny. I told you it's funny. Oh! Better get going. Yeah, very shiny training. Yeah, it sure is. Now listen, Ray, Dr. Bruner only has custody of you. That, that doesn't mean I can't visit. Now I'm coming to see you in two weeks. How many days is that before we're going to be together? 14 huh? days from today. Today's Wednesday. Hours? 336 hours. Mystifying. Because that's 20,160 minutes. 1,209,600 seconds. Ray? Ray! Ray! Yeah. I'll see you soon. Yeah. One for bad, two for good. But two for good. Yeah. Three minutes to walk, man. You'll make it. Yeah. And credits set to the photos that Raymond took during their trip. That is 1988's Rain Man. Last thing they say to each other, too, is like Ray starts to walk to his seat. He's like, Ray, 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 I'll see you soon. He's remember what we said. He goes, Yeah, bet one, bet one for bad, two for good. And the last thing Charlie says to him, he looks him dead in the eye and he says, Bet two for good. And that's how the film ends. All right, trivia tidbits. Now remember that, because the more you know. All right, so during filming, Dustin Hoffman was unsure of the film's potential and his own performance. Three weeks into the project, however, Hoffman wanted out, telling Levinson, get Richard Dreyfuss, get somebody, Barry, because this is the worst work of my life. The elderly man in the patient room, I'm sorry, in the waiting room, who talks on and on about the Pony Express. About, about the about the Pony Express? Yeah. Okay. It's Byron P. Kavnar, an 89-year-old local who was in the waiting room when the film crew arrived to film there. And he got to talking about his favorite subject, the Pony Express, and director Barry Levinson got such a kick out of it that he left uh, Kavnar he let them keep going on and on as the ca- the cameras were rolling. So all of his dialogue was spontaneous, but not sc- and not scripted. Uh, what Raymond Babbitt says about Qantas was and still is true from 1921 to 2021. Uh, to I'm sorry, yeah, to 2021, Qantas has never lost any jet airliners. Dustin Hoffman spent a lot of time with savant Kim Peek. The inspiration for the character of Raymond. Rain Man writer Barry, Mar- Barry Morrow first met Peak in 1986 and on writing an Oscar for the screenplay for this me- the movie in 89, gave his Oscar trophy to Kim Peak. Hoffman made Kim's father, the main caregiver, a promise that he would share Kim with the world. For nearly 20 years until his death, Kim Peak went all over the world impressing 
uh, people with his incredible memory and ability to recall minute details from centuries of history. Uh, did you know that he was based on Kim Peek? By the way, I forgot to ask that. I, 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 I did. Okay. I did. In fact, um, now that you bring it up, I do kind of remember um, this uh, this person getting a little bit, you know, getting some press back then. Right. You know, as the basis for, you know, for the character. And again, it was one of those moments where like, see, we didn't just make this up. People like this really do exist. Yeah. You know. All right. So I did know that. Tom Cruise always wanted to rehearse while filming. He and Dustin Hoffman rehearsed while driving to the set and in their trailers during takes. They frequently switched roles, actually. So huh. Michael Caine has revealed that Tom Cruise's performance in Rain Man was one of his personal favorites of all that he'd ever seen on, his, on film. Kane found out somewhat late in his adult life that he had a brother he'd never been told about who had lived most of his, most of his life in Kane Hill Mental Hospital with a uh, debilitating diagnosis of epilepsy. With great sincerity, he said Tom's performance was beautifully done. He went on to say that Dustin had the showy part. Tom's required great discipline and had, had and a responsibility to draw the viewer into Raymond's point of view, as well as portray the painful acceptance of the limitations his brother's condition placed on their level of familial uh, intimacy. Um... During filming, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise doubted the movie's potential and jokingly called it two schmucks in a car. This was Hans Zimmer's first score for a Hollywood production. Shot in sequential order. Shot in sequential order, roughly following the actual road trip that the characters take. Dustin Hoffman said the hot baby burn water hot bathtub scene was one he dreaded filming because he was unsure how to play it. Ultimately, he channeled his anger and frustration about doing the scene to convey the emotions of Raymond. Uh, Rayman was the highest gross film of 88, and one of two movies from that year in which a road trip occurs between the main character, who won't fly, the other being Midnight Run. hey All right. <laughs> box office receipts. In the operational funds box... We will deposit 250,000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. So the film was released on December 16th, 1988 from MGM UA. That's United Artists. Theater count started out at 1,248, but then it peaked at uh, 1,590 screens. Opening weekend box office it opened up at number two with seven million dollars. Second week it went up to eight point seven million dollars, still coming in at number two. Total gross worldwide three hundred fifty four point eight million dollars against a twenty five million dollar budget. I think that was the biggest jaw dropping trivia bit that I read. Or, or, or bit of information I read in my research for this episode was the fact that this movie made over three hundred and fifty million dollars at the box office. Uh, yeah, well, it's, I, I, I'm going to tell you, man, because I was, you know, speaking from somebody who lived through it. I was there, you know, I remember it. Like it was this word of mouth, like this almost like grassroots thing, you know, because this wasn't, you know, your temple blockbuster action flick or anything like that. It was just like another drama movie that was being, you know, put in the theaters. 
So it wasn't drawn the teenage numbers or stuff, but it was the people that were coming out and telling their friends like, oh my God, you have to see these, you know, these two guys, this story and these two guys play these parts. I'm, I'm, I, I hope that they, they were shedding tears like I was. I've never not cried while I'm watching this movie because yeah. it's just such, I don't know. It's just like, it, it, it's, it's, it's heartwarming for me and it's, you know, just the level of, uh, of of commitment to the character. And like you said, they weren't even confident of it. Little did they know what they had on their hands. You know, yeah, so that, yeah, that's that, that's a hell of a number to take away, um, especially when it started out at $7 million the first weekend and only eight the second. To grow that $15 million to $350 million. Yeah. And it, it really was, was people going, you got to go see this new movie with Dustin Hoffman, like, you know, he, you just got to go see what he's doing in this. And that's what drove it. It was a lot of word of mouth. All right, man, let's take a walk. Let's head over to the critics' corner, see what they had to say about the movie. Alright, so Rain Man currently has a Rotten Tomato score of 89% based on 79 reviews with the critical consensus stating this road trip movie about an autistic savant and his callow brother is far from seamless but Barry Levinson's direction is impressive and strong performances from Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman add to its appeal. Metacritic has it at a 65 out of 100, kind of low in my opinion, indicating generally fable generally favorable reviews meanwhile cinema score has it hmm, a when they're uh, a plus to f scale new york times called rain man a becomingly modest decently thought out sometimes funny film hoffman's performance was a display of sustained virtuosity which makes no lasting connections with the emotions amy dawes of variety wrote that one of the year's most intriguing film premises is given uneven slightly off-target treatment. She called the road scenes hastily, loosely written in much extraneous screen time, but admitted the last third of the film, calling it a... but admired the last third of the film, calling it a depiction of two very isolated beings who discover a common history and deep attachment. Uh, two more. One of the film's harshest reviews came from New Yorker magazine critic Pauline Kael, who said, Everything in this movie is fudged ever so humanist- humani- hum- humanistically. You know, I don't think I've ever agreed with any of that woman's opinions, and for some reason she was the fucking head of hopper of, you know, our generation. And her... She- in a perfunctory, low-pressure way, and the picture has its effectiveness. People are crying at it. Of course they're crying at it. It's a piece of wet quiche. Fuck you all. All right, well, let's go to Ebes. Ebes, the, the, the opinion whose opinion matters the most, of course, it's fucking Ebes, gave the film three and a half stars. He said, Hoffman proves again that he is almost... That he almost seems to thrive on impossible acting challenges. I felt a certain love for Raymond, the Hoffman character. I don't quite, I don't know quite how Hoffman got me to do it. Gene Siskel also gave the film three and a half stars out of four, singling out Cruz for praise. 
the strength of the film is really that of Cruz's performance. The combination of two superior performances makes the film worth watching. Final little bit of information. Rain Man was placed on 39 critics' 10 best lists in 1988 based on a poll of the nation's top 100 critics. All right, biggest takeaways. Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. I'm a huge fan of Hans Zimmer's score. It, it knocks it out of the park on his very first try. Um, I really buy into this relationship between Raymond and Charlie. It, 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 it makes the ending all the better for me as a viewer. Great pacing and some really great shots of cinematography. Uh, and Cruz is firing on all, all, all cylinders. You, you expect it from an actor like Hoffman, but Cruz, just, he won the film for me. And I'm probably in the minority saying that, but I think Cruz won the film here over Hoffman. Slight edge, but they're both just fucking phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I mean, I'd, it, it had been a few years um, since my last viewing until today. And it, it was today when I realized, I'm like, you know what? Cruz really does a hell of a job in this. You know, it's um, and and, and he, it he, might be my he, he favorite it role of his. My favorite, it might be my favorite performance. I mean, it's one of mine. It's, we all know who my my favorite Tom. Yeah, Cruise I know, I know. Is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll have to agree with you. Like, yeah, he's like, and and he like, but his his arc and his whole you know change of uh, uh, of of mindset and concept. Over the course of a film, I find believable because of this week that he spent on the road with his brother, you know, and that's a testament to the performances committed on screen. Um, I think uh, it's if we're talking about Academy Award winning performances, especially at, you know, in, in the level of best actor, um, I said something to Mandy today that it's probably if we're looking at you know, the best actor, you know, award winners over the last 40 years, Hoffman's performance is easily in the top three of that category for me in this film, you know, um, right up there with, with DDL as, you know, as Daniel Plainview. But I, yeah, I just can't. I can't say that. I I didn't realize that Hoffman, like, wanted to walk off three weeks in. Like he felt he wasn't that that he wasn't up to it. How could how could you not know? But I mean, I guess you know he's that's his humility too. How could he not know what he was what he was delivering there? Well, I've character? also heard over the years that he's a pain in the ass to work with behind the scenes. So keep that in you know in the back of your mind. Too. Well, yeah, he's like very particular about his craft. He's like one of those type of actors. No, I heard know. he's an asshole straight up. So really, yeah. some that's food for a thought. Shame. So, um, yeah. any more takeaways from you? Uh, just 
I'm proud to say this is probably the first time we brought an Academy Award home to Baltimore. So there's that. Yeah, That's pretty there cool. You go. All right, then. Mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again, would you make the same choices? Let's talk about the things that didn't work out for us. Uh, if I could change one thing, my mulligan moment for this would be cut the farmhouse scene. I, I, I think it stretches feasibility for a grounded film like this. It feels hokey, like it belongs in a John Hughes film or something. Nah. Um, and that's it for me. That's my one thing I would do is just, just X, X, X that scene out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really didn't have one, but I guess if you're going to talk about an extraneous scene that, that, that could be left on the cutting room floor without affecting the overall tone and the feel of the film, it yeah. would be that, so. You know, I, I don't feel as strongly against it as you do. I th- I think there's, you know, there's some humor to it. You know, it's a, it's a little, it's a nice light little moment, but it's also not necessary. So yeah, that, you know, those few minutes could have been trimmed um, without really affecting the end product. All right. Finger looking good. Finger looking good. For me, it's Vegas. It's everything in Vegas. I just, you know, I think it's the most. I, I think it's the. I, I think the majority feels, you know, similar, you know, with Vegas, yeah. the blackjack. It's, it's what yeah. the film is known for for the most part. Is, you know, like we talked about that shot of them coming down the escalator and and everything. Yeah. So, um, it all works for me, especially you know, card player hits home. So, how about you? Nah, uh, easily, easy, easy, easy. The bathroom scene, the bathroom scene, hot water burn baby, yeah. bye bye rain man, that, like I'm tearing up thinking about it, man. Like that couple of minutes where you just it's just you know you're not in the car. Yeah, it's an eye opener. These these two guys and Charlie finally realizes, you know, obviously you as the audience realize. You know, Raymond's known who Charlie was this whole time by the time he gets that photo. But, like, just that scene. And just thinking about it brings tears to my eyes. He's like, you were the Rain Man? You were the one that sung to me? And Ray never forgot Charlie. Ray right, never forgot. Right. Charlie was lost in this, this file cabinet, you know, of thoughts and facts that Ray had in his mind. But little Charlie Babbitt was always there. And that's just, that's hands down. It's my favorite moment in the film. All right. Final thoughts. I say we uh, tie a bow on it and put her to bed. Um, Just everything up and down. I love this movie. I... You know, they don't get much better. No. They don't I get much better. This rewatch for the episode. I you know Absolutely. I was really looking forward to talking about a lot of things about this movie. Um, it yeah. holds up. Tom Cruise is just fucking like I mentioned before, firing all fucking cylinders and it's just top notch. It's Dustin Hoffman's incredible. It's just a film that's just timeless. It's never gonna be forgotten. And uh, no. it, it it won the best picture in 1988 for a good goddamn reason. So fuck yeah! It also got best screenplay and best director. And 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 keep this in mind too. too: a lot of good shit came out in '88. So, mm-hmm. how about you? That was a heavy year, man. There was competition. I saw a bunch of it. 
I mean, I just, I, I, I can't say enough about it. This is definitely not going to be the last time I ever watch this film. You know, it's one I, I should probably revisit a little more often, but, you know, I like giving a little bit of space in between it because it, you know, again, the whole story and the, and the relationship between Ray and Charlie, I find it's, it's very heartwarming to me. Like I watch, you know, Charlie start off as a block of ice and poor innocent Ray chips away and melts him down. Right. You know, and it's just, that's, it's just, that's just a powerful story to me. So, you know, you can't get much better than this. There's, you know, there's moments that make you laugh, moments that make you cry, a few moments that make you angry, you know. Not many films can bring out all those emotions in a two-hour runtime like this. You know, Sling Blade does that to me, you know, um, which I think we should put on the show at some point. It's on the list for next year, so. Yeah. Add, add, yeah, add Sling Blade. I want to come. It's added. Here. Relax. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, there's There's been a lot, since 88, there has been a lot of shittier best picture and best actors come down the pike that didn't quite deserve those awards the way that this film did. And like I said, it brought, you know, it brought an Oscar home to Baltimore. I think it was the first film to do that for us. So that's that. That's pretty cool. All right, well, this episode is sponsored by Brotherhood. What better episode than now to have this kind of sponsorship? Because it's Brotherhood, something we know a thing or two about. Damn skip. All that being said, this film definitely gets the film effects seal of approval, and that will bring things home for this edition of the show, folks. One now, many more to follow. If you enjoyed this episode and want to continue to support the show, then please continue to do so by leaving a five-star rating and positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Now you can do that wherever feasible. Do it. Helps out with that algorithm and it helps us grow so more and more can check out the show. Um, So yeah, guys, just Happy New Year to everyone. This is it for the year. The final episode, a year that's been... A lot of ups and downs, more ups than downs, yeah. but um, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been fun overall. Um, yeah. Thanks to Justin and Corey and everyone else who joined us at one point or another this year on the podcast. Yeah, real, I, I, Our little extended family. I, I can't wait for next year. Shout out to uh, some closer podcasts within the little family that we got going on. Best film ever. Josh, your next favorite movie. Carlo and the movie Loot. Um, Spy Hards, Film Floggers, uh, there's, I'm, I'm forgetting so many right now because I'm just kind of spitballing, but yeah, you know, yeah. so many shows, uh, you know, and so many great ones. Uh, it's been a year, and uh, thanks to you for helping me out with this and, and being on the show. Hey, man. Hey, man. Look, I, 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 I'm proud. I'm proud to be on board. I'm glad that you, you know, that you asked me to sit in back in, you know, back in April. And then within, what was it, less than two weeks, you're like, um, we're making some changes in a format. You're a permanent fixture. We got something special here. And I think that shows with those numbers and, you know, uh, our personal dichotomy, our back and forth. I think that everybody's told us that that shows, you know, over the air, our love for one another, our difference of opinion, it comes through, but never in an unentertaining way for our listeners. So yeah, I, I want to thank those listeners too. I mean, Christ, we ain't even been here a year. We're almost at 5,000 downloads. 
that's pretty big fucking number. Um, I'm looking forward to more shows. Next Almost year. at five thousand plus in a month. We have the podcast official one year anniversary, and uh, yeah, other than that, a lot of good stuff coming up. And at the end of the day. That's a wrap, gang. That is a wrap for 2021. Yeah. And join us very soon for a lot to come for 2022. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be back in the double deuce. <laughs> and yeah, until then, one more sign-off for this year, Sean. Hit it with them. Okay. Ed Nash, I'll see you all again. The news theater lights go dim. The opening credits begin to roll. All right, boys and girls, kids and heroes, this is it. It has been fun, but now it is done. For myself and Sean, thank you. See you next year. Take care. Deuces, gang. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>